Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Podcast Assemble, the show where you come for your rambling, geeky download. My name's Tommy, and I am delighted this week to be joined by a very special co-host. It's none other than our resident returning co-host of the pod, Riggs. How are you, mate? I'm good. I'm good. He's back. You can't get rid of He's me. He's back, I'm like baby. A, I'm, like a, I'm like a rash. I'm just always around. You're our, uh, you're our new co- resident co-host. You're trying to edge Dre out. Apparently, I'm just. Hey, well, look, you know, I, <laughs> I, 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 if I could, I would, but I mean, I don't have the raw sexual magnetism that he has. So, <laughs> well, no one does. Let's be frank. Exactly. Yeah, he's. He, you'd be hard pressed. Yeah, even even when I look at his animation or his illustration that I created for the podcast, sometimes I'm overwhelmed and have to close my laptop. <laughs> it's also featureless too, which says a lot about his <laughs> as bone structure. I think is is pretty fantastic. Raw yeah. sexual magnetism. But no, thank you. I'm 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 so happy to be here. It's beautiful. It's wonderful, and uh, we always have a good time. We get to talk about some some beautiful shit today. Oh, we absolutely. Well, twenty minutes of not so beautiful shit, and then a good two hours of really <laughs> and beautiful then a shit. Let's not movie. let's not get yeah. too far into it. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll get back to that. What's been happening, man? What have you been doing? Well, yeah. Um, uh, for work, uh, I run a film production house, and we also have attached to that is a yeah. It's 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 the best job ever, man. Bringing some actual insight to the podcast, something we never do. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Hang on, um, but uh, but it also <laughs> means that I can claim movie tickets on tax. Uh, but oh uh, yes, that sounds a delight. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, I wouldn't do it too often, but I try and do it for for movies that I wish I didn't pay for. Um, but we'll talk about the Flash later. Um, so I didn't even pay for the Flash. I went to I went to the premiere. I was invited to the premiere, but that's amazing. Neither here nor there. We also have a recording studio on the peninsula in Melbourne called Cable Sound Studios, and we've started a series there um, called the Cable Sound Sessions, where we're getting musicians to come in and we record them, you know, in in the studio uh, doing a, a cover of of a song of their choice, and we shoot it as well. So it's kind of like showing off both sides of the company, but also allowing us to flex our artistic muscles and work with some really great talent. And we shot the first one of those and it looks really good. That's really awesome. I think I saw some of that on your Instagram. You would have, yeah. It's it's popped up. We did some stuff with a, a young band down there this week as well. You, you can get a, sne- a sneaky plug for your Instagram in the early doors as well if you want, just cheeky one. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, it's just at hit 66 Sound and Screen is the name of the company. That's H-I-T-6-6, the number 6-6. And come and check us out. We've got cool stuff. It's actually really awesome. Thanks. I uh, I, I didn't even realize you had it. And I, I obviously follow yourself and, and your podcast, which is? Uh, it's Well, mine is uh, at the Stitch Up with Riggs. Um, but my podcast is the Film Addicts podcast, which I do with my man, Addy. Exactly. Uh, I I thought I'd give you as many plugs as humanly possible up top. Please. Um, because I, I obviously follow you and your podcast uh, and, and the Stitch Up, etc. So didn't realize you had all this amazing content coming out. And when I was flicking through watching some of the, the guitar, uh, so some of the musical numbers happening, I saw uh, one lady who was playing guitar and she was fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, that was um, Steph or it might have been Misty. Um, yeah, we did some live stuff a couple of weeks ago with my friend Josie's. That was her gig and she had some supports. And yeah, I mean, it's this is this is what I get to do every day. It's 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 bliss. Damn, you, I'm so jealous. I'm so, so jealous. I sit here working <laughs> some boring, boring tech company. It's not really. I have a lot of fun. But at the same time, this just sounds like the dream. Yeah, I've worked, we worked hard to get here. We've it's yeah. been, you know, in, in business for 16, 17 years now and, and um, we've, we've paid our dues, that's for sure. So, but I'm, I'm very happy for, for all the opportunities I've been given. Absolutely. And well, I mean, I'm very happy for the opportunities I've been given too because it gave me the opportunity recently to fly over to New Zealand. I don't think we've caught up since I went to New Zealand. No, I saw some beautiful uh, f- pictures. 
Oof, life changing. Oof, yeah. just different. You know what's funny? I said I said to a bunch of my colleagues at work, I was like, it's a life changing place, as in meaning visually spectacular, beautiful, did all the things in amazing weather, stuff that like you would never get to do here in Sydney. And every single one of them, without fail, said, "Oh, you got engaged." And I was like, "No, please don't <laughs> stop stop putting ideas in my partner's head." <laughs> That's that's what you do when you go to New Zealand. You either get engaged or you go and do the Lord of the Rings shit. Ah, I missed out on the Lord of the Rings shit because it was that was North Island and I was South, so I didn't get. Right. But we did land on a glacier, and that was a little bit life changing. Did you fight Ra's al Ghul? Oh yeah, well twice actually. Yes, I <laughs> fell in the I fell in the ice twice, <laughs> and that, that is a callback right. to the last time we caught up on a podcast where we talked about Batman Begins. Yes, but the reason I brought it up and why it was quite funny to talk about was the fact, I, so I was sat next to someone on, a, on the plane flying back. It's about a four-hour-ish four journey all around, if you include sitting around on, on the tarmac for a while. And I'd love to know your opinion on these three films that they managed to cycle through incredibly quickly. Like, incredibly quickly. As in, like, two of them they started and just switched off within 15 minutes. And the last one they actually sat all the way through. So they, okay. the person sat next to me started with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Mm-hmm. Got 15 <laughs> minutes in and turned it off. That's the good, that's the move. That is the that's move. That's the move. Interesting though, they then switched to John Wick 3, which we didn't talk about on the podcast, but I gave some general overviews because I saw it in DL, didn't. And they switched that off after 15 minutes as well. well did they do, th- was, it, was it three or four John Wick? Three. So like three was three isn't the most recent one. I think. Are we sure about that? Four is the most recent one. I did not even realize that. Maybe it was four. Maybe they were watching John Wick four because it was. De- yeah, it definitely was. It was the latest one. One hundred percent. Apologies. So they were watching John Wick four and switched off after fifteen minutes. Now, bad move. Bad move. They did switch on and stick with a movie that I'm intrigued to know your thoughts on. We both joked about dinosaurs during a week, and I thought it'd be funny to know your opinions on the sixty-five movie with Adam Driver. Sure. Um, I, I went and saw that. It was one of my double bill days. Yeah. And where I just go and see two movies and it was just happened to be on. I thought, yeah, this looks fine. I like Adam Driver a lot. That movie doesn't work without him. Um, <laughs> no, not at yeah. all. He's, he's, <laughs> he is a great actor um, and, and, and he can be in anything and do anything. And he's a treasure and he should be protected at all costs. But the movie itself is, is, is kind of forgettable, rather. Yeah, completely forgettable. We have a, at the end of the year, we're doing an awards show, as a lot of podcasts do. I think we talked about this last time we came on. And we, we actively did. have an Adam Driver award, which, ironically, he's winning in that movie as well, because that was <laughs> terrible outside of it. <laughs> oh, at least he's true to form. Yeah, absolutely true to form. Guys, before we get too deep into it, if you want to jump around, there will be time codes in the description. Feel free to stick about us bantering about our day. This is always a lot of fun when me and Riggs get together to chat about our nonsense. Uh, but if you want to skip to the main topic, you absolutely can. It's a bit of a doozy today. We've got a lot to get into. But while you're there, feel free to give us a five-star review. I know you already have, Riggs. You've given us five stars, right? I have. I have. I've actually stars, made baby. a bunch of dummy accounts as well to do it again and again and again. <laughs> hey, and if you guys want to do that, we absolutely appreciate it. But please leave us a review. And if we ever get one that we can actually see, we'll read it out on the podcast sometimes. So at least that's what DL keeps threatening to do. <laughs> but Riggs, mm. what I want to know is, mm. what have you been up to in your geeky sphere? My geeky sphere? Well, well, just in your sphere. I know you're not necessarily that geeky. 
Um, I know I like to consider myself a geek. I think it's a, it's you know it's kind of like it's cool cred. It's nowadays. a badge of honor. It is. I remember I remember getting the shit kicked out of me in primary school for liking <laughs> Spider Man and stuff, and people call me all sorts of slurs. And um, and now those you know same people are, are making you know Spider Man No Way Home a billion dollar movie. So whatever. Um, but yeah, no, I have uh, been. You know, going to going to the cinema a lot. There's a lot of big things coming out. Being yeah, in American absolutely. summer, um, it's, it's it's you know it's a good time to be going to the it's movies. Cold air, yeah, it, it is, and and that's a good reason to go to the movies as well. Absolutely, um, but I think probably the the biggest nerdy thing was my friend Cable from the Sequel Suck podcast invited me or offered me and Alex, who's my camera assistant, tickets to the Flash premiere at the Jam Factory. Oof, and we did go along. The Flash, this guy. Yep, and we got a little just like good times, you know, going to the movies and all that kind of stuff and have, having fun with my pal and had my baseball cap on, my flash baseball cap. And I tell you, that movie, <laughs> I know it's terribly fashionable not to like this movie, but I, I, I see, have a massive problem with it. And I'll tell you what it is in, in just almost a... the, the most succinct way that I possibly can. And is this spoilers? Can we call spoilers before people... Uh get to this yeah probably a good idea if you haven't seen the flash spoilers but then again it was on twitter for eight hours and 200 million people watched it so and you can basically find all the spoilers on there anyway and also if you are a regular to the podcast you'll know that we talked about it last week so yeah. why are you why are you shouting about this exactly what well, just you know turn off if that's the case but i mean i'm not going to spoil too much but i just want to say do you remember my friend the feeling of of, of what it was like to see endgame oh I mean, I can give you a little anecdote if it would help, just very quickly. Please. Endgame is a very interesting story from my end. Probably not that interesting, but I find it hilarious. So basically, DL and a bunch of his buddies and a couple of my buddies had all teamed up to get together to go and see Endgame. And you know, Mm -hmm. every cinema showing was sold out. Every single one was like completely, uh, no seats in the house. And uh, it just so happened that they bought one less ticket than they meant to, which by the rule of the jaw and me being the worst person that takes me back of all time, turned out that I was the one that missed out on going to see it with everyone. So what I did was I quickly had a look around and there was one ticket on opening night, one ticket left, and it was in gold class. And now we've talked about gold class a few times on the pod and it's effectively, well, I mean, it is what it says on the tin, right? It's an expensive movie experience in a big sofa-like chair. But and I, and I didn't mind that. I was like, yeah, cool, I'll go and see that. But the worst, the worst, the worst part of it was the guy who was sitting next to me, he arrived and he puts like an entire sushi train down in the middle oh, of no, us. Oh, no, no, no. And I could That's... just smell fish the whole movie. No, that is not... Come on, people. Like, let's just, get, with the food at the cinemas, I mean, Ugh. that is just insane. Popcorn, Maltesers, and there it ends. Like, people are coming in with pizza and hot dogs. Why don't you have a bowl of stew while you're at it, for <laughs> fuck's sake? Just <laughs> nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Um, BYO yeah, stew. That's how we do it. BYO mulligan stew. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. And a big cob loaf. Get fucked. Um, you know, people make their own choices and stuff, but that's, you know, sushi, that's just fucking everybody's day up. Oh, awful. Awful. Sorry, you were saying Endgame. Yeah, no no good. But yeah, the feeling of Endgame, like that, you know, 
Tony Stark's sacrifice and, and, and Infinity War as well, like Thanos winning. And oh, that was amazing. Like, I remember being sunk to myself. I remember going to the cinema and seeing Endgame and, and the, you know, the, the, the cold open happens with Hawkeye and his family disappears and then the credits yeah. come up and the guy sitting, everyone went, ooh, and the guy sitting next to me went, that's a way you start a fucking movie. Like, <laughs> that's the most Aussie thing of all time. It was, there was a community, everybody was there for the same reason, this community of, of people who'd watched this stuff happen, who'd grown up with it. But we're chasing that high. We're chasing the high of, of the feeling of that, of everybody being there, the community of it and the build up and all that kind of stuff. And we're never going to get there. We're never going to get there again. No, absolutely and not. And The Flash is a, absolutely never. a perfect example of that. And we've reached critical mass at this point. Like there's no... Yeah. Oh, multiverses as well. Yeah. And the multiverse stuff is just, you know, it worked in Spider-Man as a gimmick and now that's all we have. It's now, it's no longer about, Steve Sadak, the podcaster from We Hate Movies podcast said it, you know, recently, he was like, we're no longer interested in who can we get, you know, what's a new person we can bring into this, who's an actor that we can develop within our studio, within our, you know, a, a yeah. system of what we're doing. Now it's about who can we pull from the past into the future and play yeah, just on people's nostalgia. I tell you, there's two things, two, two things I was going to say to that. And I, I kind of agree with that in a lot of ways. I would say you've you've seen across the Spider Verse now. Right? I have, yeah. Like that did it very differently and very fan fantastically beautifully. But the point I made last week when we were talking about the Flash movie, that was announced back in 2014. Mm. So if this movie, I don't know if it was always going to be this movie, but that would have been like the first multiverse movie. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? It would have been so far ahead of its time. I think it probably would be a very different version. I think it would have stuck closer to the Flashpoint series of comics where it would have been an oh, alternate reality, but maybe not as fucking cynical and 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 Thomas Wayne. completely yeah exactly and 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 totally um abhorrent in in raising the dead. <laughs> like I haven't seen this much raising of the dead since fucking. Since Dawn of the Dead, well, Zack Snyder did that zombie movie. Yeah. The oh, the that's the exactly year, the yeah. one. Yeah, that was a bad film. Oh man, but still better than the Flash. You know what else is better than the Flash? Fucking rectal surgery, mate. <laughs> it's just I'm a really positive person, and I'll give anything a chance. But that movie insulted me on a lot of levels, I remember you including saying... the fact that he looks like a big red rubber dildo. He d <laughs> you can't deny it. Hey, look, dildos are useful. That's the joke of the podcast. <laughs> He can't be a dildo because they're actually useful. Look, I actually did a good thing this week and also kind of multiversy worsey, but not in the same way. Okay. I watched a movie that's a little, little bit older and I'm wondering if you've seen it. And we talked about it a couple of times in the podcast because one of my favorite YouTube video, video channels, and I should have just said channels, it doesn't make sense to say video channels, which I really should be a, an ambassador for because I bang, about, bang on about them all the goddamn time. Nerdstalgic recently did a really cool video on why the Lego Batman movie is the best Batman movie. Mm. So it got me really pumped to watch the Lego Batman movie and I rewatched it back. And oh my God, that film is good. Would you would you believe I've never seen it? Oh my days, really. It's fantastic. It gives us a really interesting take on Batman and uh, his relationship to his villains. And it's really fascinating. Like they pull in aspects of the pulpy aspects, the campiness, but then have this like, brooding dark batman but at the same time reference all the movies at the same time it's so well done and like i highly recommend going away and watching it but not until you've been on podcast assembles youtube channel and watched my video about why there is too much goddamn batman in the theaters right now stop making batman movies yeah i saw that today yes have to stop making those 
goddamn Batman. There's so many. There's so many. It's too many Batmans. You know what? Like last time, yeah, last time we were talking about the Flash, and I actually went on a ten-minute rant at DL about why there's too much Batman <laughs> in cinema, and I just had to cut it all out. I was like, this is just me being angry. <laughs> I like that. It's your own podcast and let you, you're like, mm, not too far. That's, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. I, yep. I think I went too far that time. Yeah. No, I totally get that. And and it, and it is true, like, the, the the excess that's going on right now, you can't have one Batman, you've got to have two Batman. You can't just have the Flash, you've got to have two Flashes. You know, and I'm sorry, I remember when Michael Keaton was in fucking multiplicity. I was going to say and that. there was four of him in a room and how good did it look with split screen photography and tricks and doubles and all that kind of shit. This deep fake double Ezra Miller horse shit can kiss my fucking white ass. Like it is. It, it wasn't good. No. It was not good. It is. Look, let's not get too deep into this. Tell me some more things you've been up to. Let's not get too carried Sure. I'll, give me some more nice I things. I will give you some nice things. One of the nice things that I did for myself um, uh, is, you know, I'm a big fan of the Aster cinema here in melbourne it's it's my temple it's my place of peace and uh i went there and they're doing um all nolan's pictures before oppenheimer comes out diggity dang yeah we did the um uh the the batman series which which are a really great you know contained universe thing and, and benefit from watching in a row as well you get more out of the story right but I then the following week they were doing the prestige and it was a double bill of the prestige which still rules <sighs> a, a double bill of the prestige with Wizard of Oz. I don't know why. Huh? I don't know why. I don't know why what? she swallowed that fly. But uh, that was a that was a dramatic pause on purpose because I know you're not supposed to have dead air on podcasts. But what? Yeah, weird, right? Like it doesn't. I mean, it kind of makes sense because magicians and all that stuff, wizards, I guess. But whatever. No. Anyway, the Wizard of Oz fucking rules. And and it's amazing. There's still stuff. There's techniques in that that I still don't know what they're doing. The twist at the beginning, like in the background while she's running around the farm as, you know, in the distance, it gets smaller and smaller into like, you know, right. miniature work and whatever. It still baffles me. Um, and and Toto is the, is the absolute hero of that story. Like he is just watching <laughs> these people, you know, get into calamity and then sing and dance their way down the yellow brick road. And he just follows behind him going, look at this fucking white nonsense that I've got to deal with. I'm just a... <laughs> I'm just a little cute dog, you know? Um, But yeah, that was so nice. And it was late by the time that started. It was almost 10 o'clock. So by the time I got out, it was, you know, 12 in the morning. It was 12 a.m. Right, wow. And I was just, I had the biggest smile on my face. Like like I slept with a coat hanger in my mouth. It was beautiful. We must have come full circle by now, right? And there's there's like a a, a meme slash joke thing that I, I keep seeing that's like, back in the day, cars were for rich people and horse, everyone had a horse now. Horses are for rich people and everyone has a car. Surely we've come full circle on this, right? Like, in the first place, miniatures was for everyone and CGI was expensive, whereas now CGI is for everyone and miniatures are... Surely by now we should be back to miniatures. I want them back on screen. I feel like that, you know, something like The Flash or or Quantumania or whatever would have benefited from some practical light hitting an object in in front of camera. Any um, practical effects. Look, we're getting too deep into these again. Yes, I will give you I'll give you an interesting thing we watched. So while we were actually in New Zealand, me and the partner, we were having an evening off. We were very much just relaxing. And we flicked a Kiwi TV, which is fun to say. <laughs> and that was <laughs> made that up on the spot. <laughs> That's, That's a good the, just who I am. That's a fucking good joke. And there was a movie on there that I'd never heard of or seen before, and it automatically got my attention because it had Rachel Vice in it, of course. Ooh, yeah. um, 
the 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 fantastic actor from the likes of the mummy etc i love her she is awesome but it is a movie called the mercy starring colin firth as the main character and it's actually a really fascinating story i mean i i I didn't fall asleep in it i didn't (laughs) i mean i didn't not fall asleep in it but it is actually genuinely fascinating so it's about this dude Colin Firth who's a bit of a swindler. Uh, he's a bit of a sweet talker and he's managed to get in all this debt and do and have all these like uh, people trailing around asking him, asking for money from him. And he has invented this technology. This is back in, I would probably say, maybe like, I want to say the 60s, something like that, when technology wasn't quite at its heights yet. And traveling around the world in a boat was still a thing that people wanted to do for some reason. <laughs> so to... To uh, prove one, his technology worked, and two, the uh, win some money from doing it, he enters a competition in a local newspaper to circumnavigate the world on his own in a boat. And it's genuinely this fascinating story of like his family back home who are like waiting for him, and they've they've got kids and they're growing up, and he's taking forever. And he has this really interesting arc of that he starts really enthusiastic and he's going to go gangbusters at it, but he realizes that. He's an amateur. He's got no idea what he's doing. And he starts to lie. So he's like at a certain point going around the globe. And he starts to like phone in that he's way ahead of where he is to make it sound like he's winning to build hype for him and build press. And he gets to a point and he's like, he's supposed to be coming in to be finishing his journey. But he's like still, I don't know, like a third of the way around or something. He gets stuck in bad weather. And it's this true story of that they found his diaries, one which is his... Uh, projected version that he's telling the media I'm actually here like this is what I'm doing and then the other one is his actual real diary where he's just going a bit crazy on his own and he's like I could never win this I'm in all this debt I, I, I'm i fucked basically <laughs> and it's really interesting was it based on a real story? yeah okay, I mean wow. as loosely as any film like that that says based on a real story is yeah yeah what was it called sorry? <laughs> the Mercy The Mer- and that's the name of the boat I take it I would assume so. It's from back in 20, around the 2010s-ish. I didn't write that part down. Okay. Yeah. I'd never heard of it. I like both of those actors though. I'd never heard of it too. Kiwi TV, my boy. That's where it's at. (laughs) Maybe that's the only place they have it. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you got demoted. Yeah. You're only on TV in in New Zealand. Oh, fuck. Give me one more fun thing you've been up to. One more fun thing I've been up to. Oh, uh, another another work-related thing, but it was really great. In uh, the city here in South Melbourne, there's a place called the Canon Experience Store or uh, Sun Studios, and it's a studio for you know filmmakers and photographers and all that kind of stuff. And they had a seminar there um, uh, uh, on or Aperture, who's a they're a type of lighting system. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they had a cinema, uh, a seminar, sorry, um, with a guy. Uh, whose name escapes me all of a sudden, Dave May. And um, he like did a lighting- David May? As in like the soccer player from the mid nineties? Yes. Yeah. He's he's now, he now sells camera equipment. Um, he's obviously- That's a really until, niche reference. No one will understand that. No, no one will. Except for about four was, people from the UK. Um, hang on. Let me just double check and make sure that was his name. Otherwise I'm going to look- Well, I was going to go for Brian May, but then I realized you didn't say the guy from <laughs> Queen with the big hair. I was like, that's not what he's talking about. Yeah, no, Dave May. No, it wasn't It wasn't Brian May from Queen. <laughs> that would be great. Imagine he just started a new career. <laughs> taking pictures. And saving, saving, you know, weevils or whatever it is that he saves. Or <laughs> in Britain, I can't remember what they are. Badgers. 
Um, but yeah, it was like I've been a cinematographer for over half my life and I, I, you feel like, you know, you never get as good as you want to get at being a cinematographer. Those two hours made me a better cinematographer. And a better man. And a better man as well, yeah. Now, it made me a better <laughs> cinematographer in two hours than I was in three years of film school. Like I learned so much. And the following wow. that weekend was where we just where we finished shooting at the studio. That's insane. It's probably some of the best stuff I've ever lit. Um, and it was it was fucking amazing. So thank you to Sun Studios and 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 the people at the, the Canon Experience Store. Thank you to Brian May and thank you Brian May for all the music and for your <laughs> tutorials on the Canon C100 Mark III, a uh, C300 Mark III. Did you know this? There's a really fascinating story about the Bohemian Rhapsody movie. You know the one that came out a couple of years ago with uh, Rami Malek and the Yes, Queen. I remember it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> do you know Do you know the story about that? That it's, no, I don't, but you can tell me. So, all right, let me tell you this. So apparently, well, apparently, originally it was supposed to be Sasha Baron Cohen, Sasha yeah. Baron Cohen in the lead role. Who, who you know, he's also got a, a striking resemblance to Freddie Mercury, if I can say things right. And Tall, too. The interesting thing is, so he was he was in the writing process with with the team and, and the, the Queen guys were there and they were like, they said the idea for the movie, the original pitch was, and the reason why Sasha left apparently was because the Queen guys go, they got to halfway through the movie and Freddie Mercury died. And then it's the rest of Queen's story. And he was like, the Get fuck are you talking about the rest yet. of Queen's story? <laughs> you mean where you got that dude, Adam yeah. Warlock or whatever yeah. his fucking name is, <laughs> come in and sing for you? Nope. Nobody cares about that. Um, oh, utter, I mean, utter nonsense. That movie is... Uh, my my fiancé is a huge Queen fan, like huge. Oh, and, I love Queen. Um, and she kind of likes it be- because of, you know, the, the, the third act of the, the Live Aid concert, all kind of stuff. Remy Malek won the Academy Award for Best Actor for that movie. It's it's What? It's bewi- I, think, I think he sold... Someone sold something to somebody to get him that Oscar because holy shit. Absolutely. It's not that good a film. It's mostly just people standing around saying, we are queen. We are the best. That's that's all it is. <laughs> that's pretty much the entire movie. I've watched it like twice for some reason. And it's the, like, yeah, okay, I get it. You're queen. We see that. The better movie is, is you know, of that ilk is Rocket Man, which was also directed by Dexter Fletcher, who took over from Brian Singer on um, on You You would really like that Nerdstalgic channel. I feel like mate, you're channeling them right now. They actually have a video all about that. Look. We are rambling way too much about the cool things we get to do, and I'm incredibly jealous of all the things you have been doing because <laughs> I just want to be involved in your life. Well, here what we, are. we do now, guys, yeah, here we are. <laughs> what we do now, guys, is we like to talk a bit about the nerdy news. We call it Have You Heard? And it's not really news, it's mostly just things we see on Instagram because it's a lot of fun to talk about things like Have You Heard? And funnily enough, this podcast started on random stories a lot like the one i just told you about the bohemian rhapsody film and, uh, and me and dl just sort of sneak, sitting there going like oh did you know this about movies and us having all these stupid bits of knowledge in our brain for no apparent reason but now we talk about newer stuff so did you hear this week reeks Ooh. the flash director and you've seen it so we can talk about this the flash director andy biscetti has yeah ab- andy absolutely Mesquite. great name hard to say i've said it wrong a lot of times <laughs> he's confirmed that there were a number of further cameos which were actually cut from the movie. And some of those included, so to name a couple that came up on comicbook.com when I was looking, the 1970s Wonder Woman, Linda Carter. Do you ever watch that TV show? I've seen it, yeah. Oh, it was a lot of fun. 
It was a lot of fun. It was bad, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, another one among them was an even worse performance of Marlon Brando as Jor-El, which is fascinating to me that they would want to raise another dead person. It's, well, I mean, fucking in for a penny, in for a pound, isn't it? Jesus. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> No, they didn't bring Jesus back for it. But Marlon Brando, like... His his performance in that is is so checked out, but that's the thing about him. He he had such contempt oh, for the totally. profession of acting, and yet was so good at it without even fucking trying. Totally. And there's a great story about him that something along the lines of he bled them dry for every cent, and like because he appears in the second movie as well, he refused to like come back for it. But they used his likeness, so he bled them dry on the second movie as well, which is fascinating. Yeah, man. They they he they paid him a million dollars. He was there for a week in in nineteen million dollars. Like, think about that for a second. Yeah, and if you adjust that for inflation, that's more like two billion dollars. Yeah, it's it is. It, they they backed a truck of gold bullion up to his house <laughs> by the sounds of it. And they you know, found he's... an old Nazi train full of gold and just put it in his backyard. <laughs> he did. He found it, and he was. Someone else's young version of themselves have been raised from the dead there as well. But we'll get to that. Well, that's crazy. Who else was in there? Fucking Joe Biden, Jesus, um, Bart Simpson. Like, I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, there was a lot of cameos. Did you hear, Tommy, did you hear that Warner Brothers has consistently and persistently gone after Christian Bale to be the cameo? You know, uh, George Clooney turns up at the end as the third Batman in that Batman flash picture. Oh, of course. Of course. Which doesn't make any fucking sense because canonically <laughs> he's the same version of Batman that Michael yeah, technically. Keaton is. Like, it's just, what, what are we doing? Like, it's so cynical. So they, they wanted sick. Bale to come back. Yeah, they, they wanted it desperately. And um, he kept saying, fuck off. Like, really. In his weird accent, yeah. In yeah, his yeah. weird, yeah, Welsh, you know, I've, I'm a character actor, you know, muddled kind of muttly voice. And, um, yeah, he wouldn't do it. But can you imagine? That's fascinating. Like, by at this point, I feel like they just have someone tailing Christian Bale constantly, being like, "Hey, do you want to come back as Batman? Hey, do you want to come back as Batman?" And he's like, "Fuck off!" You know what he? You know when he lost his shit on the Terminator movie, and he just like tore that guy to pieces. I feel like that's maybe what it was. He had the guy like in his ear, going like, "Do you want to play Batman again? Hey, do you want to play Batman?" <laughs> he couldn't be a worse person to like keep going after because he's got so much integrity and also he said he would never do it if christopher nolan wasn't interested and christopher nolan's not interested in making another batman movie he, he tied the bow on that beautifully he was interestingly though did you know this he was a producer on the first snyder movie the man of steel movie man of steel yeah yeah because it was supposed to be kind of the new dc not that they were connected in any way but yeah. yeah him and him and his wife um but uh but yeah you know that's he got a nice fat batman superman paycheck to go and make um interstellar with so absolutely you say him and his wife i thought you were going to give a name then and i all, all my brain was trying was pinging there was just like chris christina nolan <laughs> i don't think of nolan. no it's wife. i think it's emma Emma Thompson, and it's not yeah, like the so. Emma Thompson actress, but yeah. Not the one you're thinking of. He's her producing, the producing partner that he met when he was at film school. I am reading that book you gave me, and thank you for that, by the way. That should have been in one of my, have, what have I been up to? So I am reading that book just very slowly. My book reading times, we've talked about this on the podcast a lot of times, I like to be on a beach. I like to just have a day to myself. And when the weather is this fecking cold, it is absolutely impossible. <laughs> I, I don't curl up in bed with a nice book. That's just not me. Uh, but I will. I will get around to it in my time. Um, did you hear this week, Riggs? Mm. Warner Brothers. We still understand the Warner Brothers theme, I think, for most of this. But apparently they're falling to pieces. Did you know this? Oh, really? What are the indicators? 
They're apparently $49.5 billion in debt. That's like... Billion? Like a small country. That's that's a lot of money. My God. That's, that's, that's the gross national debt of like Paraguay or something. Yeah. Like it just, that, that's yeah. An inter- yeah, you're not wrong. Do you, uh, uh, someone's sitting there right now having just seen all the numbers from Flash and they're going, fuck, what are we going to do? This was supposed <laughs> to save us, you know? Well, I thought The Rock was supposed to save them personally, you know, with his uh, Black Adam movie, which was absolutely awful. But I can <laughs> tell you how they are absolutely not going to make that money back is by having a Flash sale. Not the Flash, a, f- a, sale, a Flash sale of, of uh, goods. So apparently they're right. selling off a bunch of their music catalog, movie music catalog, hoping to raise around 500 million. It's including things like some of the ba- the old Batman theme tunes, stuff like that. And I just don't know what the relevance is. Like, where who wants to buy this for like, what are they going to do with it? Yeah, it's not like when Michael Jackson bought all of the Beatles catalog and, you know, to do remixes, <laughs> which he never ended up getting doing because that dude killed him, but, um, or whatever happened. The Doctor. But yeah. 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 The Doctor. Um, tell the truth. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 what music, $500 million doesn't sound like it's going to make a fucking dent in that. <laughs> well, it'll take them down to around 49 million. So, like, they're, they're moving away from that nice big round figure. I feel like they should just push on. Get up to 100. I reckon maybe sell off your DC property and make them public domain so that everybody can have a portion. Well, I don't know if they'd make it public domain, but that would certainly be interesting. But sticking Mm. with that Warner Brothers theme, did you hear this week, Reeks? And coming back, coming back around to something we've sort of already touched on, we're coming back to the DC universe, but this is the new James Gunn DCU. And I think we may have talked about this already, but comicbook.com have reported the new DCU, it's finally got its Clark and its Lois. It's got its Superman, mm. baby. Mm. Now, David Cornsweat. Now, by the way, that is <laughs> the worst name of all time. Straight down to Deep Hole. Like, <laughs> he Just needed to get a up. stage name. <laughs> yeah, you do. I mean, if it was at all costs, you know, even yeah. half that. Just have it be Sweat. And David Corn. Yeah, David Corn's not too bad, you know. They're a good. I band. love Corn. Well, that's a that's an aged <laughs> meme now. But he I was talking about that yesterday. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. He's best known for roles in things like House of Cards. And did you see the the TV show called We Own This City? Now, did. that was an intense show. Fucking great! Really what a TV good. show that was. Old yeah. mate John Barenthal that I He's can never say man. right. He's yep. great. And that was a really fascinating show. Like really interesting based, again, loosely based on true events. I like that a lot. But it's also, they've also got their lowest lane, who is Rachel Brashanhan, which I'm obviously <laughs> got wrong. It's, it's Rachel, Rachel Brosnan, right? Rachel and Brosnan, she's yeah. known from things like The Mar- the Marvelous Miss Maisel. I don't know if you ever watched that. I never got around love, to it. Love that show. Great. Is she good? Great She's she's amazing. She's got great timing. She's she's got great vulnerability. Um, but she's like Mrs. Maisel is almost the perfect audition tape for Lois because it's oh, wow. a person who does have all those things and sex appeal, but is also like you know not that she needs to have sex appeal to be in a Superman movie, but you know it does does help. Um, you know get some. I people mean, if in you want to make the man of steel hard, yeah. Get- <laughs> 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 That's very true. That's very true. Now he he gets hard for justice. Um <laughs> <laughs> and that's justice is a stripper that he met in a crypto. Yeah, I was gonna bar. say, yeah, is yeah. that Lois's stripper name? 
that's exactly right. Yeah. No, she, she's a fantastic actress. She does comedy great. She does, you know, tragedy great and great and pathos. And yeah, she has a lot of range. I'm, I'm excited that she's in that's the fantastic. role. fantastic. And Lois Lane's a t- tough character to really nail because, you know, she's got to have that vulnerability, but she's also got to have a steel about her because, you know, when you're, I mean, eventually going to be dating, you know, literally Superman, you've got to have something about you. Like, actually, I think the show, did you ever watch, uh, uh, what was it, Superman and Lois? The the current one or the one the, that had the very Dean recent Kane one. in it. The very <laughs> recent one, not the Dean Kane one. <laughs> Dean Kane, Dean Kane is just a, an oddity. But and and Terry Hatcher was was Lois in that. But um, anyway, You're right? Yes, I have seen uh, Lois and Superman or Superman and Lois or whatever it's called. Whatever oh, that the, one. the correct titling is. Um, I've seen the first season of that. I did drop off. I don't know why. You know, it wasn't wasn't because I wasn't enjoying it or anything. But isn't that, that interesting? Its, I did the same thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just uh, I think. There was, there's always so much content, you know, and I just got distracted. Yeah. But it, it, that had its season um, end last night. Um, and ah. everyone was talking about it because it sort of came the same day that this was all announced. And big, big, big deal that it, it finished the way that it did for, you know, a bunch of reasons I won't say because it'll spoil it for people. But my Addy, my, my podcasting brother, was beside himself with joy and grief at the same time. Wow. Okay. Because I remember that first season was real deep and real good and gave Lois a lot of agency. In like mm. ways that I'd never seen on screen, it gave a really different take on that character. Like I genuinely really liked who was who was the one in uh, the Man of Steel. I forgot her name. All of a sudden, off the top of my head, Amy Adams. Amy Adams. It it gave Amy Adams a real run for her money because I thought that was a really great take on the character. But wow, so high hopes for this. And I mean, look, we've talked about James Gunn on the podcast a lot of times. I love what he does with characters who are usually viewed in a specific way or maybe not even viewed at all by the public in terms of being known about them in in the superhero sphere especially the general audiences and making them relatable giving them heart building Mm. these weird characters and i'd love to see i I am so excited to see his take on this and from what you say definitely about uh, rachel brosnan at least it sounds like he's got a lot of the right elements for this 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 movie one of his best strengths is casting. He's, he's always been great. Absolutely. When, he, when he was working in, uh, you know, before working in the superhero genre, he was working in the horror genre. Like, he he knows how to put the right people in the right roles. And, and Absolutely. That, I, the one thing I will just say about him, and this isn't a, a, a knock on him as a human being, I just feel like he needs to focus on the job and less on what what people expect of him because he he mm. instigates conversations with the fan base way too much. And, and not only does it make things... Not only does he come off as snide sometimes and, and a little bit, if not cocky, at least superior. Um, Interesting. Uh, just just put your head down and, and 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 do the work, man, and let the let that speak for itself. That that would be my my understanding. It's tough when you've got a volume of work like his, though, because it already kind of speaks for itself. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, yeah. Does, why is everyone like, questioning him so much? Nobody thought the Suicide Squad would be good, and it was like the best one. Peacemaker was unbelievable. Like fantastic. He, he he strikes me in a way, and maybe his later ones maybe aren't quite screaming to this as much as maybe the things like the Suicide Squad, but like a, a superhero version of like a Dennis Villeneuve. Like his movies, potentially, they look amazing. They are cast incredibly well, but maybe just don't make that much money at the box office. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, and unfortunately, yeah. that's not what DC need. 
No, DC needs a a, a, a reset, a brand reset, yeah, and that's that's. I mean, DC Comics has done that. I'm not so shitting you. Four times, or th- at least three times in the last decade, they've they've oh, done a rebrand. They've most decade. recently done one now. Yeah, they did the new Fifty Two, mm. and uh, at, you know, 2010 or something like that. Which, you know, famously not popular. Um, there was another one, sort of like two. It's interesting. It's so unpopular because like it brought some like great renditions of the characters. Like that version of the Batman, people loved, especially where they went back in time as well and sort of gave new versions of his origin story. Maybe not the version where he pissed his pants, but they gave some <laughs> really interesting takes on those characters. And yeah. a new new spin on Aquaman, for example, people seem to like that. I, I'm not sure why they didn't like it. Yeah, I I think it was just it kind of went into some went some directions that people didn't want it. Like started off really strong and then right. waned. But they all do that. That's why they end up resetting again. Yeah, yeah. Just keep going, guys. You eventually strike gold. Exactly. Yeah. Keep hammering away. You'll spark soon. Exactly. Look, guys. If there's anything you haven't heard that we haven't brought up, hit us up at Podcast Assemble or the Podcast Assemble at Gmail dot com. You can also go on our website, which I haven't done a blog for in so long that I am missing out. We should get Addy to put some blogs on there. He he loves his blogging. He do, he blogs the shit out of stuff, mate. Oh, we'll we'll have a conversation about that. But we'll we'll come back and let you guys know when Addy puts something on www.podcastassemble.com. We have all of our contact details there. Hit us up, send us memes, send us stuff, man. We love it when you do. We always bring it up. But Reeks, do you mm. want to preface our main topic? I do. We're going to be talking about it. It's it's the end of the world as we know it. Indiana Jones comes to a close. Indiana Jones 5. Is what it's actually called. Yeah. It's not called Dialogue. No, it's not. It's Which wasn't overused in the movie. We will be doing non-spoilers and then spoilers for anyone out there. You can look at the time codes. They'll all be in there. You'll find out when we jump around. And just to acknowledge... We occasionally aren't that great in the non-spoiler section. We sometimes slip a little bit, but we do our we do our very best. But before we start, what I want to know is, what's your history with Indiana Jones? We're of a, we're a roughly similar age, and I'd love to know when you got into it, when you watched it, because you clearly have a lot of love for this franchise. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, as we were talking, when you know, I was saying I'm a pretty easy mark for this movie because Indiana yeah. Jones is my favorite film hero. I just I wow. just love it as a concept. I love yeah, yeah. adventure movies. Um, I love Harrison in the role. I think this is, you know, this is the role of his career. Speaking of um, perfectly cast, like unbelievable. Yeah, could couldn't have been cast better. Like even more so than Han Solo. Han Solo could have been a bunch of fucking people: Kurt Russell, Paul Newman, mm-hmm. whoever you want. Mm-hmm. This is this only works as him, uh, and I really feel that way, especially after the, watching this recent one. And um, I feel like I have a weird enclave into it because it was Temple of Doom. It was the first oh. one I saw. I saw it on TV. I don't know who showed it to me or under what circumstances it was, but that was the one I've seen the most. It's my favorite. Really? That's so interesting. Yeah. And and I I just even the bad ones of these movies are still really good. Like we'll 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 talk about that. Temple of Doom is so racist. <laughs> yeah, oh my god, so racist. <laughs> I don't think we can say that necessarily about the fourth one. We'll we'll come we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit I think at some point but yeah I'm I'm 100 with you so I think uh, and I've made this analogy analogy I've I've given this overview a bunch of times on the podcast and talked to this when I was growing up I ha- like probably self had a, a VHS player in in our living room we only had like a select number of videos 
that we would regularly watch. We had Star Wars, we had the Indiana Jones films, we had the original Batman, we had Back to the Future. And I, you can see where my geekiness was kind of shaped uh, mm. from a very early age. But this was one, like this set of movies, I would watch just on repeat. I yeah. loved this set of movies. It's it's they do have great repeat value. They're good Absolutely. like they they're made to be, you know, Saturday matinee movies and they work, you know, doing that at home. Doing yeah. this in a run in a day is really great. If you do the, the original 3. Um and Raiders is 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 a perfect movie. It's there there are yes. so few 100%. perfect movies. Um and Steven Spielberg has a couple in his catalog, Jaws being the other one. We we actually we actually did Raiders for the podcast fairly recently. We started a new a new little anthology of the thousands we have, which is effectively movies that are getting re- rebootuations that year. So we rewatched <laughs> some of the original ones from those franchises. And the thing that I loved most about Raiders was the his introduction. Like it's literally perfect. You learn everything you need to know about this character without him even opening his mouth. It is yeah. just image perfect. Now, we're going to keep talking a little bit before we get into the movie. So what I'd like to do is I would like to ask you right now for your stupid plot summary. Yes, it's very brief. It's very brief. That's all we need. But that's all we need. <clears throat> so my um, uh, stupid plot summary for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny no, is... No, it's a da 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 It is. It's... <laughs> and a boulder. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> geriatric adventurer just can't seem to avoid nazis yeah <laughs> i like it a lot that's great <laughs> that's it <laughs> it's great it's good mine mine's not horribly dissimilar let me go for mine so old man bafflingly acts less old than he did in the last movie giving a fitting send-off to a beloved character beautiful it's beautiful uh, I normally like to go funny. It's quite hard to do funny when you like something, but like the the contrast between his characterization in this and the last one is just, I can't wait to get into that a little bit more with you. But before we do then, can you guess for me what the current IMDb score is for this? Now this was taken, and I'm going to admit yesterday, so on the day of it coming out. It's, yeah, it's so recently out. Um, 7.3. Ooh, it could have gone anyway. It's It was 9. Like really? as of yesterday, which is oh, that's madness. Great. Let me check yeah. what it is right now. I'm actually going to check it right, 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 right now because I've got the IMDb open. Let me just see what this is saying at this exact moment. I'm intrigued to know. Ah, that's interesting. So as of yesterday, it was a nine. As of today, it's a seven. Ooh. So yes. more people have seen it and, and less impressed? Well, I, I, I... that's literally exactly mm. what that says. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, let, can you guess for me then? I'm just jumping on because I want to see what it looks like now as well. Interesting. Can you guess for me then the Rotten Tomato score, which hasn't changed from yesterday? I say that this is a percentage, isn't it? Yes, correct. All right, I, I say that it is 81% rotten. Ooh, it's 66%. So it's oh, is that fuck. just fresh? I think that's just fresh. I don't know how the rating system works, but it doesn't sound very fresh. Sixty. If you got 66% of your paycheck, you'd be pretty fucking pissed off. Yeah, you would be. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> All right, then finally, let's ask, tell me then, what is the current Metacritic score? Now, this is a percent two, and taking this was only the critic scores. Critics... Uh, probably going to be harder on this than they should be. I'm going to say 68%. Ooh, it's 
58%. Oh, come on, critics. The critics were harsh on this. Wow, that's <laughs> not fair at all. Uh, look, this is from director James Mangold, who did, of course, Logan, which is an absolute favorite of mine. He has a real great sense of characters and bringing out the best parts of them. He also did things like 310 to Yuma, which is an absolute favorite of mine. And funnily yeah. enough, he is the only director outside of Steven Spielberg to direct an Indiana Jones movie. He is. Uh, and I would say he's got a 100% hit record from my perspective. He's done he's, pretty he's well. got, yeah, man, uh, like he, he's been a really solid director for a long time. Copeland yeah, absolutely. Amazing. I really love Ford versus Ferrari. That's 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 one of the I've heard that's good. directed pictures yeah, of the last decade. Um, <clears throat> Christian Bale's incredible in that. He should have won an Academy Award for that, and and not right. I actually should have won it for the Fighter as well. Never mind, he's he's wonderful. Um, speaking of speaking of should have uh, won yeah. Academy Awards, Harrison Ford is obviously back in the lead roles. Indiana Jones. We have Phoebe mm. Waller Bridge as Helena or Wombat, as so in the movie. Uh, Antonio yeah. Banderas makes a ca- makes a moves in this it's a cameo. somehow. <laughs> yeah, it's a cameo. Uh, John Reese Davis is back as Salah, of course. We have. Uh, Boyd Holbrook as Kleber. We'll talk about him. I've got some interesting to talk about him for. We have Ethan Isidore as Teddy. I'd like to know your opinions on him in a little bit as well. But also Mads Mikkelsen, he is Dr. Vola. Mm. Now, not to spoil anything, but like if you can't tell he's evil, there is something seriously wrong with you. And also it's in the trailers, so it's all absolutely fine. Do you want to then give me your non-spoil top level plot overview of this? Sure. A person from Indy's past. Indy is now an older man. He's he's, yes. he's settled. He's on his own. Um, he's kind of, he's a bit of a drunk by the looks of it. He's kind of crotchety. He's working at a, a, a university, um, you know, again, uh, teaching archaeology in a world that is obsessed with the space race. Absolutely. Um, you know, his, his ideals are now old-fashioned and outmoded. Um, yep. And his goddaughter comes back into his life, now a grown woman, and she is chasing an artifact known as Archimedes Dial. and uh, Which is very conveniently him. split in two. It is, as as is a phlebotonum's want, um, <laughs> or, or whatever you call it. What's the word again for it? Or, you know, the thing? I'm very happy to stick with what you said, but I'm not going to repeat it. Yeah, that, that was a, that's, a, that's a, a thing from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but it's like the artifact that causes yeah. the plot to happen. So they have to go and find these things together. And the MacGuffin, is that what you're saying? A MacGuffin's the word, yeah. I just always a favorite of the podcast, the 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 good old MacGuffin. Yeah, good old MacGuff, the crime dog. Um, yeah, so he goes on his last adventure. Yeah, really his last adventure. Um, unless you, well, we'll talk about it. I don't, I, and I think that's right. And I think it's bringing a great end to his, this character arc. From my perspective, I think you know they may throw thousands and millions of dollars at Harrison Ford, but. For me, this is a really nice closing point. Closing point to the chat. Closing chapter. I'm saying words here. I like how it ended. <laughs> um, I uh, I've got a lot of things to talk about about this movie, and I, I quite like that the plot itself. Yes, it's a MacGuffin, and yes, they go on all these mini side quests, and they take a lot of time, and some of them drag on a little bit. But it just was so Indiana Jones. Like I couldn't mm. help but be just. Back being that, I don't know, like 10-year-old kid, you know, in the back garden pretending to, you know, use Indiana Jones' whip. And I was like, this is this is it for me. 
Yeah, it does. Nostalgia works really well in this respect because it's not doing it in a manipulative way. Absolutely. And there's lots of things about this that really push that. And there are little, little, little things that we're going to talk about as we're going through that that make this uh, uh, firstly more believable for Mm. these sets of characters. But like you say, it's not manipulative, and it and it, but it, it pays homage to these characters in nice ways. Yeah, and 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 it's respectful to the history, absolutely, um, in in ways that you you're not expecting either. Yeah, like totally. There's some stuff that happens in this that I was like, really? That's they're gonna they're gonna retcon that out or or retcon that in rather. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think Harrison. The biggest thing about it is Harrison fucking gives a shit this dude is 81 years old he actually cares about this character yeah yeah he's it's a there's some beautiful dramatic work being done he's still the character like he's still yeah, absolutely. got the indiana jones he's just an old man now to see like how lucky are we to have seen the progression of this character's life in our lifetime amazing and, you know the original the og came out in 81 you know you what's know? so interesting about him is that he is like I'm not, uh, we're going on a bit of a side tangent here and that's absolutely fine. He's like, not from my perspective and tell me if I'm wrong, but like, I don't see him as like traditionally handsome, especially in terms of how Hollywood movie stars have to look now, but he's Mm. got this rugged, like sex appeal that just, I, if I was to go that way, like, I don't know who else I'd want to look at in movies, you know, like in the, like the in Raiders that you were talking about or, or even Temple of Doom when his shirt's all ripped. I'd be like, hell yeah, I'll get that poster on my wall. Forget about it. I mean, that's a, a thousand sexual awakenings do happen, <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Like, he, he is... He is a dish, and he's he's got old Hollywood style. He looks like Paul Newman. He looks like Absolutely. Robert Redford. Like he's he's yeah. got that kind of you know. He's, he's got not, a great swagger to him. He's not a Hemsworth. He's not he's not polished yeah. and chiselled. You know, he doesn't look you like the end of to, a banister. A hundred percent. And the thing the thing I find really fascinating at the moment about all movie stars really is that without almost without fail they have to be this buff like eye candy thing, and I'm like. I know Harrison Ford's in fantastic shape. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But like, even when he was younger, he was. But he was never like jacked. He was just, just this, yeah, rugged like man's man almost. He looks like an athlete. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he looks he, like an athlete, not a bodybuilder. I think it was more that he it, it looked nat- like a natural look. Whereas you look at people like Cavill nowadays, much as I love him, he's clearly using some sort of human growth hormone to look that big. I don't know what's going on, but it's just, wow. something's going on. Wow. You know what I mean? Like wow. it's just, uh, wow. but wow. yeah. No, I mean, they don't have movie stars like this anymore. And also, like, no, he's a really fucking good actor. Like, I watched a movie last night when I got back from the cinema. I was oh in God, a Harrison you movie. So many movies. I do, man. Like it's you'd almost think it was my profession. Um, <laughs> I watched The Devil's Own, which with okay. with Brad Pitt's. Where Brad Pitt plays uh, an, an Irish terrorist. Wait, Brad and Pitt. There's more than one of them. There is. Oh no, maybe it, maybe my glasses were broken, but I thought there was two. <laughs> I can't. I can't blame it on drinking anymore because I don't drink. Like, oh, so <laughs> yeah. it doesn't work. Um, but yeah, he's he's really thick Irish accent, and it's terrible. And Harrison Ford's in that movie is the you know the cop who's sort of chasing him. Um, whenever Harrison was off screen. I was completely bored. Like I was just, I'm not oh, even wow. paying attention. And then he would come back on screen and I would be transfixed once more. Such power, such um, charisma. Just, just Awake, a, a awakening something inside you. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, I'll be remiss if I don't talk a little bit about the stakes of this movie, man. Like it, in such an Indiana Jones way, 
it was mm. all about like a world ending thing like you know the nazis are back like the world could end but i was like you're so engrossed on such a personal level you're like yeah who cares i'm happy like let's just jump into this bigger bigger you go the better like the, almost all of these films live in a bottle like there, yeah, there's absolutely. certain things that happen you know and there's the old trope of if if Indiana Jones doesn't do anything in Raiders of the Lost Ark the result is still the same you know well those, we're gonna talk about that in just a minute so to hold, hold them horses for a second we'll come back to that so let's let's talk a little bit about some of the people in this let's talk a bit about those performances and I sure. know straight off the bat I know there's probably a lot of discourse out there, like, oh my god, Phoebe Waller Bridges, it's a strong woman, everything's woke. But my god, she was good in this. <laughs> my penis itches, or whatever the fuck <laughs> makes it happen. I don't know what's wrong with <laughs> She's great, man. She's she's got so much like she she's young indie. She's got so you much. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because she's almost the antithesis of Indy Young. And that's the thing I find fascinating about her. Like, I, when, when you watch Indiana Jones as a young man in the early films, you see this, like, he's rugged. He, he's an explorer. He's an adventurer. He can hold his own in any situation. Well, he is straight down the line. He is straight as an arrow. Like, he's getting that artifact and it's going back to museum. She's not. She's in debt to all the wrong people. She was engaged to the wrong person once. She don't need no man. And I'm just like, this. <laughs> like, they are so... It's so You know what it reminded me of? In the wildest way, and absolutely... Call me out if I'm an idiot, but you know in Heat how you've got the two leads who are effectively exactly the same person, but just on other sides of the law. So... Yeah. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Like, absolutely, it's it's uh, De Niro and Pacino, and it's just so engrossing. And I'm not saying this is anywhere near as good as Heat. Obviously, like it's not. We talked <laughs> about it a while are. ago. <laughs> yeah, of of course. But it, it's it's that to me. It's mm. it's that they are the same, but the fundamental aspects of their mentality make them completely different. At least to begin with, anyway. Yeah, I'm, I, I I agree and disagree in that if you watch the indie films in their, like, canonical order. Sure. So... Oh, um, he's a Temple rogue in, in Temple, yeah. In, yeah, Temple of Doom's first. You know, it's yeah. 35. It's a prequel, right? right? Yeah, it's, Raiders is 36. So in 35, he's doing back alley deals with, you know, gangsters, the Chinese gangsters. He's, you know, selling artifacts, all that kind of stuff. When he finds out about the Lost Shankara Stones, when he goes to that temple, Short Round says, what's that? And he goes, fortune and glory. They're fortune and glory. Interesting. Thank you for tearing me down. No, 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 not at all. Just a different point of view. And then that that year, you know, because when he's younger, he does have all the, the snap and the pizzazz of like, yeah, it belongs in a museum. And then he's like, I want some of that cash money. Um, so I'd all these adventures that. aren't I'd, cheap. I'd forgotten that. I, 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 knew, <laughs> I knew it was a, a prequel. <laughs> But I'd completely yeah. forgotten about all the back alley dealings and like you just I just get carried away with how like his machismo in that first one. Like, you know, they're in that they start in the casino or whatever it is, the club. The and club, club Obi-Wan. Some, someone yeah, great, great, um, great reference. And yeah, right. someone like slights him and he just basically starts a brawl for no reason. Like he kills someone <laughs> with a fucking bunch of chickens on a stick yeah like, it's, it's amazing it's just outrageous he turns into bond for a second we need to come just, back we need to come back and talk about this because it's one of my favorites and it's madness it is, but, yeah. 
fist. I, I get your point. Uh, and, and perhaps maybe that's what it's trying to lean into, that earlier version of the character that you kind of get in in that um in that prequel. She's great though. Is she she's from a bunch of stuff, right? She's from like Fleabag and she was in Fleabag. She's also worked as a writer on a lot of things. The most recent yeah. James Bond picture, in fact. Um, right, right. Great timing. She was, uh, yeah. She she did a voice of a, a, a robot in, um, I think it was Solo. Um, oh, okay. And uh, yeah, now she's just been been working steadily. She also created the show Killing Eve. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. S- super talented. Very very funny. And 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 has some real chutzpah, some real moxie in this movie. I like. Yeah. It. Really. You know, yeah. I'd, I'd be okay with Helena Shore in whatever the fuck it is. You know, like and the adventures of. Yeah, I'm I'm happy for it to be a spin-off or something different. I just want them to retire the Indiana Jones name. You know what I mean? Like it can be an Indiana Jones adventure or whatever the parentheses is, but I just I, I just need this to be it. You know what I mean? Like this has to be the end of Indiana Jones and. Like yeah. I know they talked about many times, you know, other people taking over their role, but this I'm like, oh, it's such a beautiful ending. Yeah, I mean I was in in that mindset as well like just recast it doesn't matter it's the character it's really not it's it harrison yeah. is this role and and because we have now seen him go from like i said the the young rogue yeah. in the in the in the club you know swapping diamonds for for you know nuhachi um <laughs> to, to go from that to this lothario to go from a, to a broken man who has literally lost everything mm. Mm. you know it's like at the Spe- end he's like why am i here for who am i here for speak speaking of as well Speaking of Harrison Ford, my God, he's in shape for this movie. He is. 81! I'm like, <laughs> if I look half that good at 81, geez, there's a scene at the very beginning where he's got his shirt off, and I'm like, I, we, we're coming back to all those feelings. I was like, I'm not sure if I'm awakening here. What is happening? <laughs> You've got a daddy I was, complex now. Also. I was there with, yeah. <laughs> I was there with my partner, so I was thinking, Jesus, maybe I've changed my mind. <laughs> Maybe, maybe I've made some life choices that I yeah. now don't, don't fully fully uh, stand behind any longer. Yeah, no, I get it. And like, you know, him picking up that bat and going down there and yelling at those damn hippies. Yeah, and yeah. He do, he's a man out of time, which is so ironic considering I, I, the theme of the film. Let, let's talk about that in, in a minute when we get down some of the to the other bits. But I really like that about this movie. It, it changes mm. the direction, and maybe in, when we get to the world building, I did have uh, a point of view on Boyd Holbrook in this. So. Like I really like him. Like he was great in uh, he was great in Logan. Like he's been in a ton of stuff. And I he was I, in The Predator. Exactly. Um, maybe, maybe not so much a good one, but like <laughs> I he's about to be I, the bad guy in in the in the Justice in the, uh, sorry in the Justified uh, the new series of that um, City Primeval. The oh is he okay? I didn't realize that. I haven't. So I don't. Trailer. I don't keep up with Boyd Holbrook that regularly. Come on, I just like him. <laughs> You're He's too no busy frothing over goddamn old yeah, it's true, Indiana yeah. Jones. <laughs> <laughs> but did you not think like at the most like we're talking like ninety percent of this movie, he was just in it to be punched in the face by Harrison Ford. Like he didn't do it anything. Happens else. So he would often. like wave his gun around and then get punched by Harrison Ford. I was like, bro, like you're better than this. <laughs> yeah. Dude, like it's you, you're an, a better actor than this too. Like you didn't give him a whole lot to do, but he just. He had I think someone to someone came to him. Mangold came to him. and They'd worked together a couple of times, and they go, yeah. "Like, dude, do you want to be in the Indian?" Yes, you're going to say Indian. Oh, Jones, you don't say right? no yes. to that, and it's Disney as well. You'd be like, "Give me all that cash." Yes, I want some of those fat stacks. Fat stacks, baby. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen was great in this, by the way. He he is 
like one of not only the best actors yeah. uh, currently working. Hands down. He's one of the best villains. Um, every time he's he plays a villain, everything. it is it is memorable. Like uh, in a way in a way that the movies aren't. You know, yeah, like absolutely. He does he does performances in movies that the movies aren't memorable, but he fucking is. Yeah, I watched a movie, a Netflix movie called I think it's Polar or The Polar. And yeah, Polar. It's yeah. yeah, it's it's based, I believe, on an anime. Oh, is it an anime or a manga? It's it's based on a comic series, I believe, and it's shit. But he is wonderful in it. He's just a solid guy to get in your movie in whatever role. But if you oh, do yeah. it as a villain, he's just got he's got some juice, man. He's got some oh, juice. Yeah. Polar's Polar's a great example. He's really got it. And for me, he's up there with those best villain actors with like the lights of like Christopher Waltz. Like he's up there. Mm. And I, but I think he's almost like underrated. And I, that's a weird thing to say. But like whenever people talk about villains and they talk about like the big bad guys, Christopher Waltz is always at the top there, you know, inglorious and all that stuff. But like he's really got something, Mads Mikkelsen. Do you ever watch um, uh, Hannibal, the TV show? Yeah, loved it. My God, he was good in that. That first season uh, of Hannibal is one of the best sort of first seasons of TV ever. Absolutely. It's just so, um, so in-depth to a character that could be really one-dimensional. Like even even mm. um, uh, Hopkins didn't have an, as much room to play with him as, as um, Mads ended up having. Absolutely. And you know what's interesting? We were talking about this, and we've talked about it on the podcast a lot, but we were talking about this just the other evening with a bunch of friends. We like to talk about Mount Rushmore of like TV shows and movies. So that's your top five, top four. I think it's four, top four, like all time TV shows. Yeah. Well, I mean, like people talk about top fives. That's why I was like, but top four. So you're Mount Rushmore of TV shows. But I think there's a delineation. So like you can talk about like the best TV shows of all time. And I get that. But I think there's a difference between that and the best first seasons of television of all time. And that's mm-hmm. a weird one that I hadn't even thought of because I, I my brain goes to things like um, True Detective season one or Stranger Things yep. season one or you know some of the the really well known stuff. But wow, that first season of Hannibal really was engrossing. T- totally underrated show. Completely. I mean, it got three seasons. I want to say I'm not sure why it goes a high pitch. The the last one's scattered as fuck, but um, you know, wasn't it's that just, it's wasn't that like watch. written during like a writer strike or something? I'm, I'm sure something that like that was right? happening at the time, and there was definitely a break in it for some reason. I can't 100 percent remember why. Or it got cancelled and then it came back. There's a reason why it wasn't as good as it uh, it should have been. I'm not sure. Let us know in the comments to know about that. Hannibal season hit us three, up, what the baby. Fuck? Yeah. All right, let's keep going then. So I did have a quote before we move on performances. I want to know your thoughts on the character Teddy. Now, Teddy is played by Ethan Isador, and it's the the little sidekick, you know, the little, like, runaround dude who's always got his straw hat on and his Phoebe Waller-Bridges uh, sidekick the whole way through, and he sort of flits between being like a little rogue who likes to, to pickpocket people, and then all of a sudden he's the good good guy. It's like, what did, you, what did you think of that character? I thought it was a really good way of, you know, calling back again subtly you know the idea of of, of the the child sidekick of, of short mm. round mm. um you know he's also got um a tiny little mustache that i see that you're em- emulating there um which is you must have really liked the movie if you're starting to grow that mustache in a day his was better than mine this isn't just a, a day a day's uh, growth unfortunately he was what a 10 year old it's unfortunate i it was, was un- i was amazing. put out by him I was really put out by him uh, in this movie, not because he was bad and not because there was anything wrong with his performance. In fact, quite the opposite. As a, as a child actor, I have a, a thing. It's really hard to make me a 
care about child actors performance a lot of the time because I, mm. yeah, I, fi- I find kids can be quite annoying sometimes in movies not you know quite yes depending on the movie and depending on the character but i think they missed a huge trick here in not bringing back short round now no. i know it would be very Good. different and it would be a different pov and he's obviously not a child anymore but like if he would have just blown up a year earlier 100 million dollars as he would have been in this film oh yeah of course yeah uh, uh, what is it everything everywhere all at once comes yeah. out two years before this movie instead of one he's in it 100 that is disney running out of time and already being in production or being in post-production i feel like they'd made the movie by that point like it was already done and dusted they couldn't like they couldn't make those bigger changes there's no place for him and he, he no. references um a, what are you talking about no place for him you know? there's a sidekick character he could have been that I don't think it would have been added at all because then you it takes um, heat away from um, Helena. It takes the heat away from Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character. I, I I give you that. So the cameo is in, instead of Banderas, it's oh I know a young kid who's you know running uh, uh, boats is you know smuggling or whatever in Greece, and instead of going to um, Antonio, they go to. Um, how about how about this? How about this? Just, just, I agree with that. I think it's a great, it's a great way to do the movie. But why not have the two of them as sidekicks? Almost, I know uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is, you know, way more than a sidekick in this. She's like a, she is the secondary lead. But imagine they have this dynamic whereby Phoebe Waller-Bridge is, you know, she's she's got her own thing. She wants to be her own person, but is also kind of fighting for it, like uh, Indy's affection at the same time with a sh- with an adult short round who's getting all the affection and all the attention because he's so happy to have him back. And it's a case of like, she doesn't want to show that she's annoyed by the fact she's not getting his attention and affection, but really, she really wants it. I think that would have been a really nice little extra wrinkle. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I like the idea of that. I think it would have bogged down what's already there. Maybe like, just for a short time. And and also, I, Helene is a great character because you're right, she has so much agency. She's so secure. She's so aware of herself. You yeah. know, it's like, how did you turn out like this? What do you mean? Beautiful, dashing, daring, uh, independent, you know, all that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's what she is. When he, she says to him, like, oh, you know, it's a, your dad would be ashamed of you. And she's like, oh, well, I don't know. Who else was a father figure who was around at the time who maybe could have helped me? Yeah, absolutely. Like, but she's not She's not crying, you know, oh, woe is me. I didn't have a daddy. She's just like, I've I've developed this, but don't, to, don't tell me who I am because of it, you know? Yeah. You didn't have a daddy, but you had an Indiana Jones daddy. Um, let's not get weird about this. I agree with you. Maybe maybe I'm just fantasizing about what could have been something, maybe a smaller cameo than what I'm giving it credit for. I feel like I would have loved to have seen him in this, but, you know, he'll have his moment in the spotlight. He he isn't tied to this this franchise. Let's talk mm. about pacing then. Uh, this is the one area that I had a very slight criticism of the movie. Not Look, it wasn't by any means too long. I thought it was the right length. I just thought some of the scenes, they could have condensed a little bit yeah oh absolutely and 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 a lot of it it's edited like it's quite clumsy um because they're having to do an awful lot of work to hide the fact that harrison ford is only in about 60 percent of his scenes you know most of the time it's a stunt double or a face replacement or you know in some cases a complete replacement whatever it is Mm. but yeah there's a lot of fat on a lot of the scenes and there's also like four chase scenes Oh my god, so many chase scenes. Yeah, and that's uh, because you can't have him running around and whipping between buildings and shit anymore. 
That's true. And uh, one of the things I was going to call out was when they when they did the chase scene, we'll, we'll talk to, to action in just a moment, but like the chase scene where uh, Waller Bridge has been chased by her jilted lover and they're in a car mm. chase. They're in a little tuk-tuk thing and they're chasing down uh, the bad guys. Like, oh my God, that went on forever. And like, I'm, I'm you know, I, I love that stuff. I love a good car chase. I'm down for you throwing a car chase in any freaking movie. We were talking about this the other day. Like, when are we going to get to the car chase in a Marvel movie? It's been so long. I haven't seen a car chase in forever. Uh, and I'm just I like... I think of the last one. I was... Well, it probably Winter Soldier. You know, when the chase... Soldiers, it wasn't even a car chase. Of, yeah. It was a yeah. car chase on, on, uh, on foot. Um, yeah. And I was like, I was so down for it. And then it just went on and on. And I was like, bro, give me a break. <laughs> yeah padding out that runtime but it was very indiana jones yeah it, it all felt that way i mean obviously james mangold isn't steven spielberg i'm not saying that he's better or worse than sure. steven spielberg i'm just saying they're two different directors and spielberg's dna is all over those first few films because it's when he hit stride like that comes out you know it's his first big movie after jaws really like his first big movie and then yeah. in between he makes fucking close encounters and et and like that's it's his peak um, Absolutely, Mangold is. It doesn't have the the visual DNA, the visual language that that Spielberg has, and I noticed the difference. Mangold feels like a bit of a chameleon. Would you say that? Oh, absolutely. He's he's he genre jumps a lot. Or if you've seen How I Met Your Mother, a chameleon. Oh, <laughs> I don't think that's how you pronounce it. Stupid. Uh, TV really? Show. You sure about that? Um, no, mm. I, I I think I think that's how I would probably. And that feels bad saying pigeonhole him, but like I think he does such a great job at reinvigorating characters. Like you look at the Logan franchise, that was dead in the water. Those X Men movies, may, I mean, I'm I'm personally a massive apologist for Days of Future Past. I know it doesn't follow the comics, and I know it's not perfect. I loved that movie, though. I like that movie a lot. But yeah. in terms of the quality of those movies, it had been on a quite a steep decline for quite a long time, and then. The Wolverine movies, and I one of them people are apologists for it, but damn, they were awful. And but he got the core of that character and reinvigorated it. I think that's kind of what he's done here. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree with that. At least he has. He's not a workhorse. Like he wouldn't say no. yes to this if he wasn't interested. It's Indiana fucking Jones. Ah, I mean, who's not interested in this? It's like that's 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 the whole draw. I mean, I think he would have would have come in with with some. It's like I was saying before, it's not nostalgia bait at all. It is, it's just the next chapter. And yeah, it's yeah. fucking years after. What is the last one? It was 2007 or something like that. You know, that's that's just where we're at. Like, it's not it's not weird. They're not doing it. I don't think it's a... Harrison Ford doesn't come back and do this if he's worried about money. Oh, absolutely. And that says everything. That says everything. And Mangold's not going to do it either. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about the, the cinematography and world building then because you touched on it at the beginning. I think the... The idea to throw this to the 60s is a real fun idea. And I mean, it obviously aligns with Ford's age and where he should be in the timeline. But you said it before, and it was exactly the point I was getting to. It gave him a real fun, like, fish out of water vibe. Like, he was really out of his element. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And where um, he's in his class and he's trying to, he's getting all excited because really he is, the thing about Indiana Jones is he's a big nerd. Yeah. Um, you know, all this adventure shit, that is a byproduct, you know, of, of what he does. It's yeah. not actually what he wants to be doing. He's just trying to save his own skin most of the time and other yeah. people. <laughs> when he's in his class and he's getting excited about, you know, Archimedes Dial and telling the story and then those kids wheel in the thing of the astronauts coming the TV, down yeah. you know, Broadway or whatever it was. 
and 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 the information gets or he sits next to the kid with the dome helmet on in the subway he's mm. he is a man out of time now he he no longer has a place in the world he's a dinosaur in a way it's hard to see him like that like uh, this beloved character but i thought it made a lot of sense to take the character in that direction because you know the nazis the, in big quotation marks the nazis were gone the, the evil's done there's no war to fight and it's interesting that at the beginning of the film they take it back to the world war to show you him in that setting as well yeah and and, and that would have been you know only years after you know what we know as the the, the last great indiana jones movie last crusade you know it's yeah. 46 or something like that but i feel like that the idea of the nazis is different in this we've made a joke before about it you know you can't seem to avoid nazis the nazis aren't really the problem in this one, Mads Mikkelsen is he's he's obsessed with a fallen idol. He's assimilated. Yeah, he, he's he's about you know he's working for for the U.S. government building the rockets that send people to the moon, and 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 that's what a lot of the Nazi scientists did after what the the, the, war, the next the point US. I was going to make. Yeah, exactly. It's a really in. interesting subtle way of not even subtle, like shining a light on what actually happened back then. Yeah, and and and. You know these these people, whatever their allegiances. I mean, he's he's a cartoon villain in a lot of ways because he just wants to do everything the Fuhrer did. Mustache you know, twirling, wrong, yeah. right? Yeah. But when he comes in, the, the the telling scene is when the the porter comes in, the African American porter comes in, and he yeah, says to him, "Did you serve that. in the military?" And he tells him, and he goes, "Are you enjoying your victory?" You know, he's serving I him, love and he says, that. "Yeah, you you didn't win the war. Hitler lost it." I love. And I was that like, scene. "Oh, that's the whole movie right there." And it's great. And it's fantastic. Uh, it's, it's a really fantastic encapsulation of that character. You find out it's, it's like that first scene in, in uh, not Raiders. Yeah, in Raiders, sorry. Like, you know exactly who this is immediately. Like, and I know yep. you've seen him before that leading up to this point, but like, you know this character. You're like, holy fuck. Like, he is full Nazi still. And I, yeah. I think... The thing I find fascinating about this is, and I'm going to go on a tangent again. Apologies. I know I like to do this, but like, I was watching, uh, and I've come 180 degrees on Joe Rogan. I used to hate the guy. Now I'm like, fuck, give me all the Joe Rogan. But I was actually watching like a, a clip of his on YouTube just the other day. And it was from one of his podcasts where he was talking to a guy who was creating a documentary. I think it was called something along the lines of uh, Finding Hitler. Now, in reality, yes, a lot of the the Nazi scientists went and worked for the U.S., but also, there's not only rumors, but confirmed uh, confirmed reports that a lot of the high-ranking Nazis got out of the country and went to South America. And this guy is telling the story of how he has visited colonies, colonies in quotation marks, like communities of very white, very Aryan peoples who all speak German in South America. And there's communities of them. So it's all the generations of these Nazis who have been living there for 50 plus, maybe 70 years. And it's fascinating. It's really interesting. And like the, the reason I enjoyed the spin this had on the movie so much was in this movie so much was because it just really wanted to shine that light on it and say that, you know, we may have won the space race, but we didn't, we didn't do it with the best people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the, these, the, the, the things that were antagonistic in our 
cultural history yeah. end up becoming, you know, yeah. benefits become add-ons to our progress. And that's, that's you've seen that throughout history. Yeah. You know, people's intelligences and inventions and things are co-opted into larger societies. It happens all the time. It's what, it's what conquering nations do. Absolutely. Um, history is written and by I, the victors. I, it, that's exactly right. That's the perfect, perfect example. And, and, and I think that not, I mean, as great as the Indiana Jones movies are at tying in real history, especially this one, you know, events yeah. of the past, yeah. to tie in real themes, you know, about who we are as people and, and, and who we are as like societally and what we learn from the past and what we don't fucking learn from the past is, is really important. It felt really pointed, really pointed. And I like that. But as we are talking about cinematography and world building, we normally talk about mm. action now, but like, can we just talk a bit about that CGI in the opening? Because it, it it was part of the foundation of this movie in that world building piece, but it was also, I'd say, part of the cinematography in, in in a way. Because holy fuck, that opening scene was awful. It's really tough. Like it, it's almost a case of like, if you're gonna do that, then just do the whole movie that. You or know, because as soon just as you recast it. Well, I don't even think you need to do that. Like my 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 idea would be have that part of the adventure shorter and have it only be oh. um uh, helena's dad is the one who yeah, finds the 100%. thing and he fucking mails it to indiana jones and you all you see is it arrive on his doorstep and you just see a pair of boots step out and a package and then not it even, cuts to whatever not even you could I, all right let, let me give give you another direction but i think that's a great way of doing it let me give you another direction mm-hmm. the first one is uh, i said recast i mean they've done it before like they did was it um, Last Crusade that they had the significantly yo- younger Indy and it was one of the... Um, River Phoenix. River Fe- It was River, that's what it was. I knew it was one of the Phoenix. Just recast a younger person and like have him, like just, just have a younger person play that role. Like it's fine. No one's going to care. But they had, they paid, for, they, they paid for Harrison Ford, so they got Harrison Ford. Uh, yeah. And the other way of doing it is, you remember when I was talking about the beginning, the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark, where you didn't even see, you barely even saw his face for the first like, I don't know, fifteen minutes of the film. His his hat was always down. He was always in shadow. You barely saw who he was, but you still knew exactly what this presence was. Just mm. do that. There's precedent, and it makes sense. You don't have to look at that CGI nightmare. It's 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 bloody odd and weird, and and. I mean, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, honestly. People, there's going to be detractors no matter what. But the the problem with that, like de-aging people is done a lot more often than you would think. I know people oh, who yeah, work absolutely. in the industry, particularly for, you know, big the big companies, Mouse House yeah, and totally. everything. And people are just smoothed over normally. Phoebe Waller-Bridge was, you could see it. Um, but this kind of intense face replacement, and they did it with, you know, um, Luke in The Mandalorian yeah, as well. Absolutely. That was all, um, um, that was deep faked, wasn't it? It, it, yeah, and it, there's there's that, and and you know there's some massaging going on. Yeah, this is this is where they've spent a lot of money. Uh, it's Harrison Absolutely. at that period of time as well, and we haven't built a rickety rope bridge across what is the current version of the uncanny valley that we understand. Yeah, oh, absolutely enough for that not to look like a video game because if you take someone's human eyes away from it if you mm-hmm. if you if you don't light real human eyes and catch those lights and get that soul it's going to look artificial and we are biologically geared to recognize that because yeah. it's a fight or flight response absolutely you're right we didn't need it we didn't need it interesting piece of trivia about about that process of de-aging so the first real version of that on big screen was in 
I think it was X-Men Last Stand. It's one of the X, the early X-Men movies where they horribly de-aged Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen. And Ian McKellen. Oh Ellen, my yeah. God, it looked terrible. But, it looked like a Malteser. Like it was just, <laughs> it was not good. Well, it, yeah, just too, too smooth and weird. But that process is effectively the same process now that they used to do back then, just with better technologies so that mm. it's literally the same process they do for an actual facelift they just like pull bits of the skin back effectively which i find fascinating they haven't found a better way to do that you can do it better with goddamn tiktok it's like come on guys like we can do this i don't know if you like de-aging someone with prosthetics is a possibility i'm not i don't know anything about prosthetics. I, I did have a mentor who was a prosthetic artist a lovely guy named terry who passed away a few years ago but um we never talked about that um but i think as soon as you get into as soon as you get into the realm of we know that he's not young anymore like you know what i mean yeah. it's like yeah. not, there's there you can suspend disbelief only so far yeah. um and i don't think de-aging works fine when it's robert Downey jr for one scene or oh, yeah. um that Kurt Russell well. for one scene look 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 weird it looks bloody odd and weird but the thing they're going to continue to do it and they're going to continue yeah. to do it by using now like you know artificial tools and, mm. and, and things like that the thing i find most fascinating uh, and it's it's a real complaint i have and i think i've stolen this from somewhere but when i see it i realize oh my god that is 100 what these people are trying to say when you when you de-age a human being who's an 80 year old but you still have that person playing the character in the scene. The way they move isn't a young person way of moving. Like you saw it in The Irishman. Like you can see it in this. Like they move weird and it's just odd. He looks like in that end scene where he's like, okay, let's go home. And they're walking, you know, away from the train bridge that's collapsed or whatever. He looks like a fucking Nosferatu. Like it's weird. His back's all strange <laughs> and... Yeah, and he would have only been... The character's only supposed to be 40-something at the time. So. It's so strange. Anyway, look, we're getting too far into this. We're getting too excited. Let's mm. talk a little bit about action then before we move on because I actually really like the action in this. Yeah. Yeah, he's, except, he except for that put together a good sequence. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, that doesn't... I mean, as a sequence, it's quite interesting. We've never seen a train heist kind of kind of visual in an indie movie. It is, an, it is new ground. Um, so Ooh, I think that... Did they not do it in The Last Crusade when, you know, at the very beginning when they recast him as the, the River Phoenix? I'm sure a lot of that's on a train. You're absolutely right. It's on the circus train. Very it different is. box of frogs. But oh, yeah, completely. no, you're absolutely right. Completely a lot of fucking different. trains around back then. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it was an interesting sequence. It was just poorly executed. Um, I feel I think like the, the, yeah, the tomb raiding, sorry, the uh, tomb raiding sort of sequence at the end, um, yeah. you know, going in to find Archimedes' tomb. Pete. Perfectly. Yeah. And I, I, I made a note, and I think it was when I even walked out of it. I didn't write many notes when it came out of this. I was just trying to absorb it. But one of the notes I thought was like, I liked how they made it age appropriate to an 80 year old man like the for, for the most part now there's a very strict caveat with that and it's one that i'm bringing back to yourself because you were definitely there for when i had one of my many rants about liam neeson and jumping off a bridge and taken there were <laughs> definitely a few scenes where either he had he had a, a strong landing or he got punched in the face and i'm like there are definitely points where his bones would be porridge right like there have got like uh, yeah it just just little things like that i was like just you know maybe don't hit him that hard when you're that you're the big dude there's like a big dude who's supposed to be like a 
almost like a callback to the giant Nazi in the first one who he fights and gets chopped up by the plane. Um, I mean, it's very abstract, but like it's certainly a callback. But like maybe don't hit an eight-year-old that hard because you're probably going to kill him. He's a fucking Nazi, though. I don't think he gives a That's shit. That's true. That's very true. Yeah. But interestingly, there is there is a fan theory about Indiana Jones, and this is way off topic, but I'll tell you very quickly anyway. There is a fan theory about this that, so you know in the third, the third installment, The Last Crusade, when he drinks from the cup of Christ and effectively mm. gets like eternal youth as long as he stays within those walls. There's like a yes. fan theory that that is almost like a bit of a reset for him and his so like because he drinks from the cup of christ and it's magical and all this fantastic stuff it saves his dad's life and it gives him like uh, a brand new like outside why not give india a brand new inside so there's there's a fan theory that like his insides because he drank from the cup of christ are younger than his exterior looks and i kind of well, like I mean, that idea it is kind of mystical I think that's probably true of Harrison Ford too. If yes. I mean, he's, I know, he, I know. There's a lot of stunt guys doing a lot of work for him in this movie, but holy shit! I mean, there's some 81 year olds who are right now either not with us or yeah. who are not with themselves. You know, it's it's that's pretty incredible. And I, I put it he's down to good shape. probably money and weed. Um, <laughs> the the, the quicker best. they legalize it here, the better. And money too. Exactly. Legalize giving us more money. Um, look, <laughs> let's let's jump on because I'm excited to talk to you a little bit. There aren't many spoilers. I'm excited to talk about them. What were your favorite tones and themes from the movie? I'd say probably um, the idea that the past as much as it informs the future mm. you know like there is no past there is no future it really is like the Taoist philosophy of life stretches infinitely in front of you and infinitely behind you you are in the eternal now and mm. and harrison ford can't be that sorry harrison ford jesus indiana jones can't be that because no he's not his jesus. past is no he's not <laughs> <laughs> if he drinks with a cup of christ he might be well yeah maybe he can never be now um yeah. because he's always chasing something or he's always running from something and 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 yeah. in this film he is not only uh, uh running away from his past and mm. and the things that he feels like he did wrong but he's also mm. um running away from his future because he knows there isn't much of it left yeah, um absolutely. so yeah i think it's probably um uh, uh the idea of um time as an enemy yeah i love that i love that idea and well I'm, i mean sort of leaning into that like my, my favorite one was like one last stand like it kind of is. It's a little bit like, you know, like he's trying to run away from the fact that, you know, maybe he won't have one more adventure. Maybe this might be the last time he picks up the whip and it sort of feeds mm. into that. And I I thought it was really touching. It's the scene at the, where he's dropping, uh, Salah's dropping him off at the airport and he's like, this yeah. is an adventure. He goes, you know, I could come with you. I've got my passport. And he yeah, goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I miss the sand. I miss the sea. I miss waking up and wanting wanting to know, you know, what great adventure will come our way. Like that is the whole thing. Men age poorly in that respect. All oh, men yeah, age poorly. We're all children. Because in yeah, in a very different way than yep. women or, or, you know, other uh, people of other sexual denominations men as as a as a a, a critical idea Collective, breaks yeah. down you know it becomes you lose your masculinity as you get older or you start farming it out to other people like you know superheroes or whatever that's why these yeah, movies absolutely. make billions of dollars completely i completely agree and it's it's almost a reflection on us as much as the movie you and yeah. me, Riggs. It's a reflection on you and me. I know, because we're so fucking insecure we have to talk <laughs> and old. to on the internet. <laughs> and old as well and crotchety. 
Jeez, can you well, imagine getting up as an 81-year-old man in the morning and putting whiskey in your coffee? Christ. I can't do it now. I literally yeah, can't right? do it now. I, I, no. I can't deal with hangovers. And I'm That's what am diarrhea I? city. I'm at least 21. I can't do it. Uh, I'm not going to say how old I am. It terrifies me. Look, what we do now is we talk about three reasons you might want to see this movie and three reasons you might not. Uh, in, all non-spoilers. So we carry on with non-spoilers for the moment. What are your three oh, best no. and three worst rigs? That's a problem because most of mine are going to spoil some shit. No, I, 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 can, I can do it. Um, so three best or three worst? Go for your three best. Three best. Um, it's the cast. It's oh, a yeah, great cast. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said before, Ford gives a shit. Um, for you know, he's, he's he's here for it, uh, and 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 everybody's everybody's wonderful. Everybody's bringing their A game. Yeah. Um, the uh, uh, the uh, Helena Shaw in the setting anything like that up, you know, whatever the circumstances, Let's I'm totally it. here Let's for do it. it I'm you know? sold. Yeah. It's 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 where on earth is Carmen Let's San go. Diego? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's such a great character i love phoebe waller bridge give yeah. her a chance i would love to see and, the um, reaction to that like i feel i the internet's just so annoying like she is so fantastic in this i'd love to see how yeah i'd love to see how they'd react but she's a woman we can't, she can't woman. be indiana jones <laughs> yeah helena shaw in the fucking incels are everywhere um let's not talk about right them. so this, yeah, uh, and 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 the third act. That's all I'll okay. say. All right, all I'll right, okay. The third act. I'll give you what mine. are your three best. Mine are that this had the real like feeling of a good throwback. Like it wasn't grotesque in kind of a let's continue the franchise kind of way. It was more like just a loving homage, uh, as much as a continuation of this character. I think that's a real testament to James Mangold and Phoebe Waller-Bridge who, you know, like she was a perfect fit for this. And he was clearly too because they got the characters, they got the assignment and they made Harrison Ford, an 80 plus year old man, look awesome while yeah. also while also doing their own thing in the movie as well, which must have been incredibly hard. Mm. My second one is that it gave me all the feels. And I mean, like, not just the Harrison Ford ones, obviously, um, but like in terms of like, I, I said it before, I was transported. It was like I was a kid again. I was watching the movies that I grew up with and I loved. And it, it, it it's what movies should be like. And I yeah. know we get a lot of these reboots and rebootuations we like to call them where it's uh, it's it's like a almost a rehash of something like like Ghostbusters, for example. It's a rehash of it, but kind of the same, but not this is what movies like this should do like really honor the characters and my final one is that old indiana jones it's fucking amazing like perfect mm. they got him just right great setting for him fish out of water the action suited him like he wasn't like he wasn't doing things an old man can't do when you're in that good a shape it was really great <laughs> but that does lean into my three worst if you don't mind oh please now, I struggled with worst because I did really, really, really like this movie, clearly. But where I loved old Indiana Jones, young Indiana Jones, as we've talked about, was just an uncanny valley, just mess. It was, it, it, it looked like Pepier Mache. Like, <laughs> <it, laughs> and yes, that it, is how you say it. 
papier mache. It, it, we we mache. joke on this podcast a lot about PS2 cutscenes, and it was yeah, it wasn't far off. It was. I mean, it's as close as they've gotten, but that's not saying much. I'm surprised it looked so bad the amount of money went into this. Like so mm. surprised. Like it was a really high budget film. I think it was like 300 million more. It would have to be. It was not not good at all. Yeah, but I mean that's again that's you as a as a human being on planet Earth with a soul yeah. in your body somewhere. It's like yes. you're just gonna know that that's not real. Yes. Do you want to jump in with your worsts? Do you have any? My worst. Well, you 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 didn't do your three though. Well, I was, I was wondering if you wanted to take over. Sure, I'll, I'll do. But I'm just going to agree with that last one you did. Like I said, Main, it's, yeah. it's mainly because I can't think of two more, uh, and I'm on the spot right now. <laughs> and I would like to hear what you would say. Yeah, well, again, yeah, the de-aging flashbacks. Um, it's as close as you're going to get, but it's still fucking inhuman and weird. Yeah, so awful. maybe, maybe leave awful. it alone. Um, uh, yeah, as I said before, the editing's quite clumsy, and it is it okay. is doing a lot of work to hide, you know, the the the, the fordlessness of a lot of those actions. I think you have to do that, though. I think it's hard to. Yeah, I think it's hard to do that. Of course. It's like, but, Neeson, you know, it's like Liam Neeson jumping over a fence in Taken. It's like a thousand cuts in f- 10 seconds. But, but th- there's that. But then there's, yeah, they'd get a reverse and then they get a low angle and like, and then he lands. But whatever. But, and this is a lot of face replacement stuff, which yeah, I'm not okay. 100% on board with, especially when he was riding the horse. Oh, that was terrible. Anyway. Mm. I think, mm. you know, let's go back to some practical stuff, folks. Not that yeah, I know absolutely. anything. It's not like I'm in the industry or anything. So what do I know? Um, <laughs> Too much. Okay, and 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 to tie in with my best, the yep. third act is also on my worst. Okay, and, good. Uh, and we'll explain in the, in the uh, spoiler yeah. section as why that yeah. is. Yeah. Okay. You got one more. That Let me three. do one more. We'll just we'll just agree on them. My third yep. one was just that some of the car chase scenes were necessarily long. Like it just didn't. It just didn't need to be that like uh, you could have cut out like the jilted lover angle or whatever it was just keep, just condense that a little bit like you're not hurting the the runtime of the film you're not hurting the plot you're just taking out a bunch of nonsense that i do not need to see and it's not building the characters in any way i can see phoebe waller bridge is a badass i can see the little kid is the little kid and indiana jones is always going to be great at driving why do i need to see this much of it yeah there's there was two chase scenes too many and there's a 90 minute version of this movie which is just fine yeah absolutely and just better than just fine in fact i think the 90 minute version is like probably better than this to be honest with you but that's neither here nor there now what we like to do Riggs, as you well know we have a rating system for this podcast Mm. and it's completely binary it's not like five stars or three whips out of 10 or it's none of that we're not imdb here what we like to do is we like to compare whatever we're talking about to the most average movie that we know of, which is and possibly will always be Aquaman 2018. Until maybe Aquaman 2 comes out, because I think by the sounds of that could be pretty bad as well. But, Reeks, mm. in your humble opinion, is this movie better or worse than Aquaman 2018 and why? I think it's better. Um, Fabulous. Uh, because it it cares about the characters more. Um, absolutely you know and, and i care about the characters more so maybe it's bias and as dl would say there are no octopuses playing drums in this movie which i'm big with and there was an opportunity to there was a bit <laughs> was, when they went an underwater, underwater sequence, so <laughs> it was not great i'm not gonna lie to you uh great i would say so too as well it gave me all the feels i i had a lot of fun with this they're probably a little too long but fantastic movie let's yeah. 
talk spoilers. If you haven't seen this thing yet, it only came out yesterday for us. Uh, this normally goes out on a Sunday, so a couple of days ago. Cut away now. There will be time codes in the description when to jump to. But what? let's start with spoilers then. So sure. the biggest thing for me in this, and we're going to talk about the actual spoilers in a moment, but the thing that really resonated with me and made me smile from ear to ear was the fact that he just didn't get double-crossed for once. Like, it's just like a trope <laughs> of these films. I was like, are you fucking kidding? And like the last one, Ray Winston's character just double-crossed him like four times and then triple-crossed him. I was like, what are you doing, Ray Winston? This is Indiana goddamn Jones. Whereas in this, like, there were opportunities to. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, you thought at one point she was going to double-cross him with the Nazis and get it, and, you know, help them find the Dial of Destiny first or whatever it was. But, you know, she stuck with him. You know, they used the dynamite and blew the boat up, which was a bit harsh. But, like, I really like that. Great, great sequence, too, where she's going around, you know, walking her way through yeah, the tablet yeah. and figuring it all out. And then at the end, she's real congratulatory to herself. Hey, we did it. And then he's like, my friend just died. Yeah, yeah. My friend was just killed. I really like, like that. Talk about that That one word, you know, review I gave you when I finished it yesterday, emotional, is 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 the word. You know, it did. It, it's It's got some real emotional beats. Isn't that an interesting uh, juxtaposition of the two characters that like, you know, she is in the prime of her life. She's having a great time doing all these fun things. And he's like, holy shit, like yeah, I'm losing there is everyone. Nothing, yeah, there is nothing but pain and death and loss behind me. And yeah. all I have to show for it is a shitty fucking, you know, job dial. Where, they, where they gave me a goddamn <laughs> clock when I retired, you know. A dial like, of destiny. Roll yeah, credits. exactly. So I, I, I guess like the, the real spoilers for this then are that like once again, you know, the Nazis, they actually kind of win, which is kind of funny. I kind of yeah. like that in this. Like, you know, he yeah. manages to do all the hard work. Indiana Jones, he finds the dial. He finds the 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 instructions. Thank God they weren't in Chinese. They were in a language they could read. Um, and they, they worked out how to use it. And the, the Nazis kind of won. Mm. Well, yes, <laughs> they didn't get where they wanted to go. And I also like the fact that um, Mads Mikkelsen's, you know, he's not like a cackling hyena of a villain. Yeah, absolutely. He gets really shitty that it doesn't work. Yeah, you it's know, great. When they go through the fissure in time, they end up in the wrong, in the right place at the wrong time, as, as, as Jack White would say, you know. So I guess the spoiler for this is then that they're looking for the Dial of Destiny, which is Archimedes' Dial, who is... He was a mathematician. Uh, what century was that? That's the like 200 BC, I think it was in. 200 BC, yeah. Yeah, great. And what happens is they get all the pieces, they put it together. Mads Mikkelsen uses the dial to go back. And it's interest, It's a nice, interesting plot twist because the idea is that Mads Mikkelsen's choice is to go back and kill Hitler at the beginning of his reign. Mm, and take and over from him. Take over and uh, correct all the quotation marks, mistakes Hitler made along the way to win the war, et cetera, et cetera. goes back now to that point you made around Hitler didn't, uh, the the, uh, the US and the, the allies didn't win the war. Hitler lost it. Uh, mm. And Mads Mikkelsen wants to go back and change all that. And that's, it's such a great motivation because it's, 
you know, villains are always hard to write because it can't just be like I said, cackling hyenas of yeah, world domination kind of thing. No, he well, wants to be the Fuhrer. It's funny what it is. <laughs> yeah, but it's 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 very one note. But this is he wants to go back. He has seen the course of history and, yeah, and has such contempt for you know the Western world that he wants to go back and and completely erase everything and start again and 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 be the new Fuhrer. Well, not the Fuhrer. He wants to be a god. He wants to be higher than the Fuhrer. And so what happens is they get the dial. Uh, they go through all the trials, the classic Indiana Jones type trials. You know, they do a bit of Tomb Raiding. They do a bit of Uncharted. They do a bit of, uh, I'm thinking of video games. I can't think of any more off the top of my head, but they're the big ones. They do all that stuff. And then they slot the dial together and the Nazis effectively win and aim to go back to this time frame, kill her at the beginning. But they, they screw it up. They don't. What what specifically don't they think of? It's a thing. The continental shelf, so it's or continental drift, drift, um, which is a correct. I think it's a, a a gravitational line. Um, like when you're when you're piloting a plane, you have to adjust for for gravity. I think that's the case. I'm, right. If I'm wrong, correct me in the comments. It might be a weather system of some sort. Yeah, and that, that, Archimedes that, couldn't have known about that at the time, so his absolutely. his dials will be off, and they get sent back to. This, the right place they want to be in you know in that that particular area but um it's yeah they're thousands of years early just like so the time travel makes my dials go off but yeah like i mean like i was a little <laughs> bit um yeah i was a little bit out by the time travel bit and then they actually time traveled i was like ah that seems a little bit i don't know it's a bit on the nose for me like it could i, I feel like it could have been some sort of play on time travel maybe they didn't actually travel back in time maybe it was like Archimedes had frozen something in time that they could only it was like a key almost they could only get into a room that had something in it from the past you know what I mean like I felt like it was a little bit on the nose the way they actually went through a thing and back in time yeah I mean but if you look at the if you chart the course of these movies, oh, totally, totally, know, I'm not questioning. Yeah, yeah. like uh, the end of them, or there's always something incredibly supernatural going sure, on. Sure, sure. Um, and and here's here's where, where I think because this is the part of the movie where I was like, oh shit, I'm in. You know, they're about to go through time, and 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 they and they did, and yeah. they end up in 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 Greece when it's being sacked by the Romans, S- Sis- and yeah. and Sicily in 2000 yeah. BC, and Archimedes is there. And and this is this is the part where in when I said in the best it's the third act, but in the worst yeah. it's the third act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it, I think they should have had the fucking balls. Like it's it's the movie at its most gutless is not letting him stay in the. Past. No, I'm I'm the polar opposite to that. I'm the absolute polar. Oh opposite yeah. To that. I and and don't get me wrong. Like I I respect your opinion. I, I feel though that like Phoebe Waller Bridges and I'm never remember her name Helena was right. He Indiana. So the to, to cut, give context around this. Indiana Jones has been shot. He wants to stay in 200 BC to witness what happens, stay there and, you know, be part of the past that he's been chasing for his whole life and be part of that history. You know, we, we've we've kind of alluded to it has been going through. And effectively, Helena says, no, like you, the whole history of our, our, our world could change. Like you just being here now could change the fact that, you know, we might not exist in the future. And I, and I really liked how gutsy it was to just give her the agency to just punch him in the face and put him back on the plane and take him back to the Yeah, future. I mean, that's it's a great moment for her. It's great that he, he wakes yeah. up and he gets his, his ending with Mary and everything. But like yeah. the, the reason that I think it would have worked if they had just slightly shifted a little bit, 
what a, what a beautiful end to that character to go back to a time that that he has you know been chasing his whole life and only been finding in artifact and 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 you know map details and all this stuff mm. to actually see it happening in front of him and for Archimedes to come up and meet him now they found the body of Archimedes with a watch on yeah yeah you know so that they'd already they'd already shifted time I like the idea of it being a closed loop, as in Indiana Jones always had to go back there. The way that Archimedes says, you were always meant to come here. And he helped him build the fucking thing. And he stayed there and helped him build it. That would have been like something to me. I don't know. I think there are two things that could have saved that for me. Like, and if one of these two things had have been what happened, it's a bit little paradoxical, but I would have liked it. So Mm -hmm. it turns out that Indiana Jones was Archimedes all along. He was the one who set the whole thing in motion. Would have loved that. That could have been a fun ending. That could have been fun. Or the other one was that Archimedes wasn't creating a time machine at all. What he was actually creating was, and they kind of hinted it might be this, but didn't really dive too deep into it. I don't think it's what it was meant to be. But I would have loved if it was something like Archimedes created... Uh, a machine that could only bring them back to that exact moment because they were about to lose the war and they needed help. And that was the reason why they were there. They helped them win the war. Like, fair enough. I think that could have been an interesting spin in it. But at the same time, you take away all of the reality and all of the the gruffness of an Indiana Jones of the future. I know you said that these films tend to end in these wild ways or these like fantastical, almost mythical ways, but they are very grounded. Like it's not, it's 99% real and then mm. 1%, you know, mythical. So I, I, yeah. I like the idea that he gets brought back down to earth, but like, I, I like the, I like your idea that it, it will be nice for him. It's very romanticized. It's, yeah, it's very romantic, and maybe that's just the romantic in me. But then you don't get the beautiful moment of where how he's he wakes up and Helen is there, and she says to him, "You know, you've still got you need it here." And he's like, "Yeah, by who?" And Marion walks in, and you're like, "Oh!" And then the call back to the where does it hurt? And it was just yeah, I like that. I like that too. It was that nice, was very man. beautiful. The the yeah. other thing that that's. I, yeah, and, and like I like that you they brought Marion back. Uh, that specifically, that cameo was really great. I loved that. I think it could have been more focused on her though. Like her whole arc through the film was like she wanted a father figure who actually cared about her, and he just got to the point of really caring about her. It would have been nice for him to acknowledge her a bit more in that scene. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Like Absolutely. I know she doesn't need him. But she wants that acknowledgement, and that's nice. And it's nice to be acknowledged by your, you know, your family and stuff. So one of my uh, tones and themes was around family, but I took it out because I was a bit like, well, at the end, he kind of just pies her off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go and you get know? ice cream with my old sidekick while I bone yeah. my ex-wife, please. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care about you. But you know, speaking on on family, like I just want to talk quickly about um, my favorite scene in the whole film. Sure. Which is two very good actors, lit very well, standing on a boat, talking about a character who has been the butt of a thousand jokes. Like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is made fun of for two reasons. One of them is Crystal Skull alien people and the other one is Shia LaBeouf as Mutt Williams. A completely written off character. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, no one had thought anything about it. 
when they're in the boat scene and Helena says to him, what would you do if you go back in time? Would you go back and check out this battle here? Would you go and check yeah. in on Cleopatra? Yeah. She's being all coy and he says, I would stop my son from enlisting. Yes. And she's like, oh, did he do it to piss you off? And he's like, yeah. Like, well, what would you do? And he goes, I would tell him that he's going to die. I would tell him that mm. um, in, in his passing, his mother would- f- I'm getting choked up talking about it. Really his emotive. would find no end to her grief and that that, that would um, destroy Ruin our marriage. Relationship, yeah. Yeah, and, and Harrison's performance in that moment is so beautiful. I, I did, I cried in the cinema. I was like, oh my God, this is, this is the scene that, that makes the whole thing. Yeah. To buy back the importance of the character of Mutt being Indiana Jones's son is fucking remarkable. It gives whole Unbelievable. new worth. Yeah, it gives so much more value to Crystal Skull. Uh, and a movie that I never thought I would ever give any props to. It's by yeah. proxy of this movie, ironically. But like, <laughs> it really it's did. Still the and worst it gave Indiana that character Jones meaning. Uh, they fridge. Yeah. They fridged him to give to give him meaning. They did. They they put him in the fridge, and oh, he's dead too. That's that's terrible. What a horrible joke. Um. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, one thing I did want to say, just on on the same note as that, uh, I completely agree with you. I think the whole mutt thing is beautifully pulled off. The mm. the fact they didn't kill Indy in this. I I, re- I genuinely actually quite respected because I was a bit like I feel like like I said to you I think before we went and you saw it before we did uh, I said I think they're going to no time to die him I genuinely did and it was a nice yeah. surprise it was nice that he got a nice ending I know in the Crystal Skull they got the the big wedding ending which I, that almost felt to me a little bit un a bit fantasy a bit like he's almost in a coma do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it felt, yeah, it felt like he got hit on the head one too many times, and he's imagining this. But like, they brought the whole thing round. You know, like he'd obviously had the falling out with Marion and whatnot, and they the, the way they used that as an emotive lens for him to drive that character was just so so well done. Yeah, it's it's it really cared about how we feel about the character you know i don't Absolutely. want indiana jones to die i want i want there to be in my head maybe another adventure and at the end where it's you know iris out to him pulling that hat off the off yeah, the you know drying on the on the balcony like it's it's beautiful it's and and yeah I, I i think him staying in the past is one thing him dying is something very different absolutely absolutely i mean that they, they, they amount to the same thing realistically look yeah Let's wrap up, Riggs. Do you want Let's wrap a little wrap bit of true or false trivia? Oh, I can't wait. I have some doozies for you, and I'm excited to know. Uh, I'm excited to know how you do. So, prior to the movie coming out, and we kind of touched on this a little bit, there were rumors, there were rumors of a couple of actors who could potentially take on the role, one of which was Bradley Cooper. Is that, is that true right? or is that false? I think that's um, probably false, but I'll, I'll, with the caveat of saying, if you've seen the opening 15 minutes of Nightmare Alley, it would have been a fucking good idea because he's oh. literally dressed as Indiana Jones. Interesting. Well, it is true. And oh, man. It was true. And uh, the original rumors were between him and, uh, by the sounds of it, Chris Pratt potentially taking on the role as a younger uh, version of the character, obviously. But when it's confirmed this is coming out in 2015 and that Ford will be reprising the role, I think we all breathe a big sigh of relief. Um, Trivia true or trivia false, Riggs? Mm. 
Every odd-numbered Indiana Jones movie features Nazis as the antagonist. Is that true or is that false? Every odd-numbered. Well, that's... Yes, that's absolutely true, yeah. It is, and coincidentally, in every odd-numbered Indiana Jones, Salah returns as one of Indy's sidekicks. We didn't talk about... Holy uh, shit. We didn't talk about Salah. John Reese davies I love John Reese davies in these films. Uh, he, I don't know what it is. He just gets me every time. He has a, a warmth to him and a glow about him. Apparently, he wanted to. Apparently, offered him to come back for the last one, mm. and he said no because they were going to give him a brief cameo in like the wedding scene. He was like, "My character's bigger than that. Come on, guys." Finally, then, before we wrap up, Reeks, trivia true or trivia false? After the release of 2018's *The Quiet Place*, writer Scott Beck and Brian Woods were apparently approached by Lucasfilm to consider writing the fifth Indiana Jones film. Is that true? Or is that false? That sounds true to me. I think that sounds like right up their alley. It is. And I find that yeah. fascinating. Could you imagine this being more of like, I mean, like I, you think of like Temple, that's more of a horror, I would say. Uh, even the first one, even, even, you know, Raiders has a lot of horror elements to it. Like I think... Mm. Diving more into that could have been a really interesting aspect to this film. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree, and and that it works for um, for uh, raiders in in you know the horror parts of it, yeah, especially when Marion's you know stuck Absolutely. in the catacombs and the snakes and all that stuff. But and Temple Doom is hundred percent a horror movie. Yeah, and the melting faces. All of these movies have their their you know sort of horror elements. Yeah, so the third one's probably a little bit more adventury. But yeah, Temple of Doom is a straight up horror movie. Awesome. And well, look, ultimately though, Riggs, I really had a moment of being back in my youth and enjoyed this movie. And mm. I have really, really enjoyed breaking it down with you and picking up some bits that me and DL may not have talked about because we get a bit too silly. So thank you very <laughs> much for joining me in my hour of need while DL is off traveling. Where can our Flesh. lovely listeners find you? Yeah, as I said before, you can find me um, at uh, the Stitch Up with Riggs, which is my, my Instagram for my podcasting and stuff. Um, I have a podcast with my friend Addy. It's called the Filmatics Podcast. Um, we're on YouTube and Spotify, Amazon Music, all the good places. It's really great, guys. Go check it out. Thank you. Yes, that's that's how me and Tommy became friends because he was a fan of the show. Um, I'm very, very grateful Ooh, for I'm everybody listens. We, we have a good time. <laughs> Stop. And, uh, and my, my company is uh, Hit 66 Sound and Screen. Um, yeah, come and come check us out. What we do with um, lights and cameras and, and musicians and funny people and all sorts and of good 66 stuff. screens every time. No, awesome. <laughs> I really appreciate you jumping in with us, Riggs. I thought this whole thing has been really great to have you on again. Hopefully, you will be more of a continuous regular moving forward guys thank you very much for sticking with it we really do appreciate it you can find us at podcast symbol instagram or the podcast symbol at gmail.com or go to our website www.podcastassemble.com we'll see if we can get addy to maybe pop some uh interesting little blog piece in there too if he's interested see if we can um get a little bit more crossover going but thank you all for sticking with it we really appreciate it tally ho 